Hi, this is Greg Lamberson, and you are listening to Without Your Head. And I have a long history of film without heads. We have no head in Slime City. We have no head in Killer Rack. And we have no head in Johnny Gruesome's. Check out all those headless films. of decapitation without your head i'm nasty neil i'm joined by three makeup artists here we have craig Lindbergh returning to the show hey jeremy, how you doing hey, hey. Hey. Say hi, craig. <laughs> yeah uh jeremy salenfred is that how you say it salenfred. i probably should have asked salenfred. you got it all right you all right very good and anthony uh, pepe you got it anthony pepe all Thank right i too. probably should have asked all that beforehand but it's very cool to guy. That's <laughs> uh, we're getting close to Halloween, so it's a good time to talk about makeup. Do yeah. do any of th- any of you three uh, do anything special for Halloween, or did you ever do anything special for Halloween, like when you were kids? I like a nice glittery rouge. All uh, right, <laughs> I <can> see that. <laughs> Mineralized, you really catch the light. Nice, uh-huh. nice, solid shimmer. If, if you can expect any kind of knowledge coming from the three of us, you may not expect that coming in at any time. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think people are used to that when they listen to the show in general. <laughs> I'm a big fan of zipper faces, crow makeups, and the Joker. I think all of them just together. It's, that's Halloween done right. Slap it up on Instagram or YouTube. Call yourself a pro. You got to go. Well, I think, the, you know, the can in the eye is can the eye. Uh-huh. Pencil through the nose. Pencil through the nose. Always a great one. Yeah. Baseball somehow forced through your skull. That's a good one. Yeah, <laughs> I like them a lot. Anything Lucci. Yeah. 
I, I personally don't like dressing up, though. I, I feel that I spend more time working on the stuff, so I hate actually wearing the stuff. Yeah, I, mm. I, I rarely dress up. Last year was actually the first year, I think in my life, I actually did a legit makeup on myself. I went as the Hound from Game of Thrones just because I happened to have a burn prosthetic laying around. I looked up, I saw a wig, that wig right up there above us that, that matched, and I had enough scruff going on. I was like, oh, my God, I could throw together a solid the Hound costume in, right. like, Last minute, went to went to a Halloween store, picked up some cheap chainmail, and went to a Halloween party that night, and was like, "All right, all right, that was that was worth it." But I, I hate wearing makeup on myself. Yeah, I don't like the glue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's funny, right? It's what we do for a living, and we're like we're like the grumpy old guys. Oh, I don't want to wear this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want frozen corner of my eye. We can torture someone else, but God, and we get it all done in our space. When was the last time you tell us to your eyebrows? Like, <laughs> the actors get paid a lot more to wear it than we do to put it on. Amen. So. Amen. Yeah, and they get the ones that are famous. They get those great, great hotel rooms, too. Mm. How's it going? Yeah. <laughs> So, so how did the you're basically asking about what we do? Like, do we do makeup for other people, or we do makeup for ourselves? Is that what you're you're inquiring oh, about? At, at really, anything in general. What, what are your plans for Halloween? I don't know. Maybe uh, do you, maybe your kids. I don't know. I'm working. Uh huh. Probably working, right. my friend. Yeah. I actually no. I actually got the day off this year because I I still got young kids that I, I every year I go out of my way to get off my job. You'll you'll get there in a year or two when he's old enough to trick or treat. Yeah. Um. No, I, I go for the last couple of years. I go out of my way to make sure I'm not on set that day, just so I can uh, get get my kids dressed and take them out trick or treating and enjoy the day. Um, once they're old enough to be embarrassed by me, though, I imagine that'll <laughs> go by the wayside. No, Dad, we're going along. <laughs> <laughs> well, I get an older kid that goes like, "I'm not going trick or treat again. His mom's going to go with him." Mm-hmm. You know, cause we're, we're more likely, you know, we're, we're going to be working. Well, we yeah. got a 15 month year old. I got a, I got a 15 month old, so he's not doing. He's dressing up as a safe puff marshmallow man. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm actually going to be on set that day, and the yeah, makeup, the, the Wednesday, the makeup and hair department. We're doing promoween, so everybody has to dress up as like a famous prom character. Mm. The girls decide. I'm, I'm like whatever. So I, I cho- I'm going to be Napoleon Dynamite. Okay. Again, the oh, I see. Famous star. I, prom thing. I was actually going to go for Teen Wolf. Uh, you know, uh-huh. but then I was like, I'm not wearing that shit. Yeah. I don't want to. I'm not going to sculpt the whole thing in like a week and just get <laughs> onto it. You know. So yeah. Uh, so how, how did the three of you meet? Uh, we've all known each other. Bathroom stall somewhere, maybe. One tap under the stall door. <laughs> I met Anthony. We did a a, a movie called Burning Love. Was it Burning Love? It became Rockabilly Vampire. So we did a. a a movie which was released by Trauma, which was acquired by Trauma, uh, which I'm sure your your followers are very familiar with, which was uh, now called Burning Love, Vampire. which was now called Rockabilly Vampire. And that's what I knew Anthony from. Jeremy, I met at like some convention. Yeah, once or twice. Well, I, I mean, years you ago. The guy I knew until my union interview. I don't think I, 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 I really interviewed him for the union, and then I met him. And I realized he was a bigger douchebag during the meeting <laughs> than he was usually. Um, so you expect, you know, it's like 10% makeup and the rest of it's all just ripping on each other. But no, I mean, that's how I got to know Jeremy. Right. Pepe yeah. and I, Anthony and I used to be uh, indie movie rivals in our early career days. We're like, you know, we mm. were, we were, you know, not quite big, but big enough on the East Coast where like there were two or three shops that were dominating the indie film scene in New Jersey and New York. 
uh, when all of our other friends were, you know, doing like actual studio legitimate jobs, right? Uh, we were still doing some fun indies, and it, we would just always go back. Oh, Anthony got that one. Oh, Stone Frame got that one. That right. so he can't well, do it. I, 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 I mean, I met Craig. Craig was on my first movie ever. Was Burn in Love. Mm. That was the first time I ever met like a New York makeup artist. Uh-huh. So I'm like, Craig was the goth. <laughs> you know, was. Now it's falling from the way. Now he's more just like a mighty of. Now he's more just like a pope. Like a kid touching pope. It's not like that, right? I met you on the Vampire movie, and I learned a lot from you actually just from that alone. I don't exactly remember the time I actually met you in person. I think one of the first times we actually worked together was when we were fucking around with Tom Denier's shop. Yeah. Those silicone molds on those. Yeah, Holly was there. I called Holly because you abandoned me. You went. You left me one night. He went. Tom went off to do Blue Man Group in Atlanta. Hey, yeah, he left the town. He left the state. Yeah. Um, so our our buddy there. Tom Denier, another talented East Coast makeup guy. He he was doing these just a display piece for a toy fair for right. Van Helsing. So 2003, I think. Um, I had literally just opened my shop. Tom only got in touch with me because was he was trying to call. Three? I thought it was yeah. Earlier than that. No, it was he. Jo- Tom was trying to call Josh, and I hadn't changed over the phone number yet. That's how Tom and I met. Wow. Was Tom was trying to call Josh Torrey, yet another East Coast makeup guy uh, that will rag on plenty in his absence. Um, Anthony and I got called in to make these giant silicone columns while Tom was he made down the bowls of these. Yeah, columns. he made carves them out of like you know, insulation foam. Mm-hmm. So and then we carved it. Yeah, down. and then we were doing the molds. Anthony abandoned me one night. This was my first day. I had no idea what the fuck to do. So I, I called my now wife then. Friend Holly was like, hey, come in to help me and give me moral support because I didn't know what I was doing. And Tom came back and he was rightly well, we, we, I, we have, I had completely fucked up the mold because one night I had actually gone to the shop to work without Jeremy. And all I remember saying is that, you know, Tom gave us a big bucket of GI 1000 and said, okay, make a mold and a silicone. One layer. So, yeah, I made one layer. <laughs> Paper fucking thing. And, and I'm looking at it, I'm like, this is too thin. But you know what? He said one layer. I'm going to go with what he said. So, of course, when he came back and, you know, uh, he pulled apart the mold, it completely shredded. He called me up screaming at me. And the first thing out of my mouth was like, well, what about my money? <laughs> <laughs> and he promptly hung up on me. And then I didn't talk to Tom for at least another couple of years. Yeah, it was about seven years until Tom got along with me. Yeah. Even though I was like, I, didn't, I was just the guy. I, was I mean, come on. Victim of circumstance. The way I see it, I drove all the way to Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> fucking make a mold. That was a great shop, though. That was his it shop in Dumbo. With yeah. uh, he shared that with Eli and uh, yeah. someone else. That's right. They did some great shit in there. So yeah. So we we, we met all way back. I mean, I met Craig was ninety five. Wow. When we did, yeah, because I was my first yeah. movie. Wow. wow. Oh. That's why. Yeah. I, I, I started when I was nineteen. So mm. that was right about the time when I met. Mm. I, didn't, I didn't really get started. So I guess I was twenty five or so. You know, I was playing around since I was a kid, but it mm-hmm. wasn't anything I realized I could have a career with. Until yeah. uh, point when just regular college was not working out for me. Yeah, well, my mom didn't think it was a real job at all. My parents yeah. were pretty supportive. I had no complaints there. They were all for it. They're like, this, what you, this is what you love. Go for it. So I went to uh, Art Institute of Pittsburgh in 2001. Um, this is the first time I ever really sculpted, started getting into prosthetics. You know, I was always into it, into behind the scenes DVD stuff, but like never had any inkling as to how to really do it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. uh, you. He mentioned being uh, independent rivalries on the, uh, you know, for independent horror. Is, is there a lot of competition amongst makeup artists? Yeah, the polite, the polite version is yes, friendly competition mostly, <laughs> but a lot uh-huh. of competition. Well, it's basically like 
Craig used to run General Mayhem, and Jeremy mm. was Monster in My Closet, and I was damn. Demonic Pumpkin. Is Monster in My Closet. I didn't update my Sorry. adult Pepe effect. Yeah, <laughs> Demonic Pumpkin is in the grave. <laughs> um, but uh, we each had our own, like, pseudo company that would, like, you know, bid on these low-budget jobs. I'm a legit LLC. There's no pseudo company. Well, I'm talking in general. Now they're all union makeup artists. But back in the Indian days... Rivalry still exists. It was, it, was, it was competition in the sense of, like, you know, who could do the job and who would bid the right, the right price for it. And there were certain mm-hmm. jobs whenever I didn't get... Whenever I couldn't do the job, I would actually say, hey, you know, call this guy or call this guy. So I wouldn't say it's so much of a rivalry. It is more like just... You know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. we, we're helping everybody else out. We're not we're not sitting here like saying like, well, I'm not taking the job, but no one else is getting the job either. Right. Well, you know, it was a lot of producers would call, and they would, you know, they would never tell who they're calling. So they might call Anthony, they might call Jeremy, they might call me, they might call me, and they're they're sort of how do you say probing or yeah. whatever you want to be quoting, like you know, who could give them the best price for what they're looking for. Because, you know, they, they are also running under a certain budget. You know, they may not... So they're looking for someone who can deliver for the best price. You know, we're talking low budget. So they may not be asking for a certain quality as opposed to Just more numbers. price. Yeah, this was stuff sh- like that. These were shoes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in terms of friendly competition, a lot of times we never knew we were actually competing with mm-hmm. each other because they would never say, hey, I talked to Jeremy, and this is the price that he gave right. me. I never talked to Anthony, and this is the price that he gave me. He'd go, they would say, hey, this is what I got. This is what I want to do. How much would it cost? And a lot of times they would get ideas from other makeup artists yeah. and say, well, this is kind of like what we want to do. How much would it cost you? So innocently enough, we were sort of competitive without no. knowing we were competitive. That still happens on the studio scale, where you get producers calling you just to bid out to see if the guy that they're actually calling is giving them the runaround on their numbers. True. It's more about, like, I always think that they kind of want that one particular person, but they just want to legitimize the price that the person they would be. Offering. They would be remiss if they didn't actually get quotes, like mm-hmm. any contractor you get. I don't just take one guy's number when I'm getting something done in the house. Mm-hmm. You get quotes. So that's right. it's just the nature of the business. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we've got each other's backs. Like we'll say, hey, I'm, I'll call Craig. He's like, hey, I've got a producer that's probably going to reach out to you. Make sure you quote in this range so that none of us are getting. We don't, we have, yeah. I mean, I don't so, think we ever underbid each other. No. We well, never I mean, got to I mean, Craig did yeah. all the time. But no, well, yeah, because you know, I'm, I'm cheap. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, the Craig, Craig was the whore. Yeah, I was definitely the whore, man. You know, hey, listen, I got a crack in drug habit and the whore habit. I got to pay for that shit. You know, toothless whore isn't cheap. You know, uh-huh. um, the idea... They are. I don't know what they're charging you, but toothless whores are cheap, Craig. Well, I don't know about your cheap, cheap toothless whores, but I want mine with a little bit of sort of, sort of like, je ne sais quoi. You know, that's all I got to say. But um, the idea <laughs> is... <laughs> the idea is that, you know... As we started, you know, you know, as, as fucking stop me. fucking with the shit. <laughs> <laughs> I get my own I'm looking at uh, the shit dried on the table. You have no idea what's going on. We, 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 we're you. looking at the dirty table, and Peppy is <laughs> scraping the goddamn table I, right I, now. I just chose like his OCD. Is as we're talking, his OCD is cleaning my table. Making noise. Well, anyway, the idea. I'm chicken. You want the wild? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We are we are we are live baiting as we we should give a shout out. So the idea. And, 
and, and if we're talking over you, we apologize. Let's give her a no, it's good. Oh, wait, I'm okay. Spice whiskey. Do you want to talk about no, it? No, no, I want to talk about the makeup. <laughs> okay. Never mind. You know, when we all first started as makeup artists, as anyone would do, you know, you're at a certain level of, let's say, whether it's a seventh level of hell or not, um, there are those who are looking for people who, because of their budget, are looking for certain people, not necessarily the quality. Like, did you remember when, when uh, you interviewed Greg Lamberson and yeah. you mentioned about me, about my, my uh, agita with certain peop- certain producers and stuff? So a lot of them are looking for not so much quality, but can you deliver this at the price that I'm looking for? So when people start out at a certain level of their careers, they might be saying, I'll do that for free for the credits or something like this. And the competition may be a little bit because we're all, because everyone's fighting to get the jobs and stuff like this, because they're a little bit more hungrier. But as the three of us have grown in our business, we have become friends. And mm. as well, yeah, well, you know, we're all sitting here drinking. I think Kathy's sharpening the blade to stab us in the back right now. But, wow. the idea, oh, but the idea is that we do like, you know, I'll call, I'll call, we'll all call each other to say, hey, listen, are you available? And the idea of the camaraderie uh, has. Just, just to wrap, wrap this up. Yes, Dick Smith basically believed that you should share the information. Dick Smith is one of the greatest makeup artists of all time. All true. Mm-hmm. That's a hell of a tangent. But what I'm saying is that basically by us sharing the work and sharing the load, we're furthering the industry in New York as makeup artists so that way L.A. and Atlanta don't take all the work. Oh, don't go down that path. Okay. Well, that's, uh, and that, does that answer your question? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. The, you just mentioned that uh, Dick. You're gonna get off on these real tangents. All right, that's just, totally cool. You just mentioned. Okay. okay. You just mentioned right, Dick Smith. Pop and I'm sitting in the corner. Okay. All right. You just right. mentioned Dick Smith. Who who are some of uh, your inspirations to to get into makeup? Greg Limberg. Absolutely, Greg Limberg. <laughs> He's my inspiration on in how to do the teeth the right way. <laughs> no, uh, all, you know, there's all the historic guys. There, there's 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 Rick Baker, there's Stanwitz, and all the guys that we have to say because they are just Robotine, Robotine, Steve Johnson, you know, the guys that we wouldn't be here doing this in any capacity if they hadn't knocked down the doors and paved the way for literally every one of us to be doing this. But there's a lot of other guys, you know, that don't quite get the credit. You know, those guys were amazing, but the crews they hired, whose names you might not know, but you always saw their faces in Sangoria and Gorazon and Cine Fantastic. All the guys they hired that would go on to open up their own shops later on. Kevin uh, Yeager. Yeah. Yeager, yeah. the K&B guys, like all of them. They just, it was this, you know, they were the roots that started this grand tree that just branched and off, branched and branched and branched to these amazing artists, you know, so many of whom are still working and dominating the industry yeah. now. There's a lot of makeup artists I love still, like that aren't like your that top of the echelon. Yeah. Baker. Yeah. I mean, I love these work. I love, uh, yeah, but these top of the game. Greg too, Canham like, is amazing. Those are still the know. guys like that. You think of like they're they're They are, they're the absolute top right. of the game, but there's so many names that you don't think like the, even George Shell. I love this. Oh, he's an you know? amazing sculptor and a hell of a personality. Yeah. Um, so, but right. like 
the guys from Odd Makeup Effects or Blue Whale, like these guys that you don't necessarily hear about yeah. every day, but are Jonah, so right? fucking talented. Yeah, Jonah Levy. Yeah. Um, Chris Nelson, who just did the new Halloween, was mm-hmm. so fucking good. Yeah. And like, you know, seen Wayne Anderson stuff. Well, yeah, yeah Wayne really Toth. Like, Wayne Toth, you know, too, yeah. Yeah. you don't necessarily hear about them in every, you know, they're not the the, the household names, right? But they're just so amazingly talented. And, and, I, and I love the guys too. Like, I mean, Josh Turry is one of the oh players. yeah, the best. You know, Jeremy. <laughs> I love Jeremy's work. I love Craig's work. So I mean, like, all of them are like, I, I take every makeup artist I know. I take a little bit from and yeah, just, like absolutely. learn from them and see how they do their styles because it's an art. It's not a factory-made thing. It's an art form. You know, yeah, we everyone, all follow certain steps, but there's a creativity behind it that I respect. Everyone's got their own way to, to the same end goal. I mean, we're little, we're sitting in in my temporary shop right now, and I was just running, opening some pieces before we started the show, and Anthony was looking at looking at them, going, "Oh, you do this, you do this." Like we, you know, there's no like secrets. I'm not like hiding my molds away and being like, "Can't look. This is my <laughs> technique." Mm-hmm. Going back to yeah. what we initially said about Dick Smith, like that's. Share the, share the information. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, that's the idea that there's so many people that that uh, that's I, I, it was word like that hold their information in because they don't want people to know what's going on there, and 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 the conceptual idea of progressing the art of the makeup. If anyone that I have to say that you know you look up to and stuff like this are people who are willing to say, hey, listen, guess what I found out. And they have no issues about saying, hey, listen, I found this great way of doing it. Dick was very famous. Mm-hmm. Dick was very famous about saying, hey, I found this great way of doing Because Dick had no agenda. He had no, no the idea of saying, well, I found this information. I don't know. I'm going to keep it to myself so I can stay the higher echelon and everyone else has to sort of follow my lead. He was like, listen, what I found and kind of go with that. But, I mean, he was above and beyond. Like, keep, like how many stories are there of, like, kids that grew into – now famous makeup artists are like, I just sent him a letter one day and he sent me back a prosthetic and a step-by-step manual all well before the class he had offered and just Dick would go above and beyond in taking care of the, the, the fans he had that would reach out to him. Like that was a full-time job in its own right. How yeah. he mm-hmm. responded to everyone that took the time to inquire. I mean, I, I took his course in the early 2000s and I remember one day I was driving home from my, like whatever my day job was at the time. I think I was selling shoes or something. And I got a phone call. I didn't recognize the number from Connecticut. I answered. He goes, hi, this is Dick Smith. And I was floored. I pulled off the road to stop because, like, there were a little bit, maybe. I might have squirted a few. <laughs> Did you yourself? Yeah, a little bit. I was like, oh, my God, this is Dick Smith on my cell phone. And he spent half an hour talking. And then he was like, look, you're taking my course. I welcome you to call me whenever you feel like it. He goes, you know, I know a lot of people say that, but I actually mean it. And I did. Like, I never got to meet him in person. But I spent a good chunk of time talking on the phone with him that any time I ran into a wall that I just couldn't solve. Well, I remember the, the one, he kept me on the phone for two hours. I was traveling to Guatemala for a film. And I was like, look, I don't, I've never traveled like this. And he just gave me the most insane, amazing advice based on his experiences with the exorcist traveling to, uh, what was that, Iraq? Morocco. Um, Mor- no, it wasn't Morocco. It was... It was and he was like, look, you don't want to travel in any, with anything that looks like a makeup case because then it's prone to be stolen. But just the most amazingly minute details. He was so happy to yeah. share. I got to meet him. I met him at the Pasadena IMAX. Oh, yeah? IMAX. Awesome. I flew out there for that. And he was doing portfolio reviews. Cool. So I brought my portfolio thinking like, oh, my God, I'm going to meet Dick Smith. 
and he told me straight up, this is bad. This is oh, bad. Yeah. This is bad. This is good. See, that and that was, was the, was I got the, the Rick Baker version of that. Yeah, see, it was the wealth information. See, that's what Dick was like, if we can talk about Dick Smith and the idea about every makeup artist who knew who he was at a certain generational period who have such an admiration for this gentleman. Um, the same thing happened to me. I had, he had, he had been doing a lot of things for makeup artist magazine and he started talking a little bit more about health and about makeup mm-hmm. at a certain time. Yeah. I remember he was big into health and staying healthy and all this kind of stuff. And I had sent him a letter about, uh, about building materials and so forth. And then the phone rings, same thing happened to me. The phone rings and he goes, Hi, uh, is Craig Lindbergh there? And I said, yes, it's Craig. He goes, hi, this is, this is Dick Smith. And my jaw dropped to the ground, and he had me on the phone for about a half hour, and I was talking to him and saying, I said, I can't believe you're calling me. And he says, why? And I said, because you're Dick Smith. And he goes, and he says, you know, I really hate this bullshit <laughs> hero worship about me because he was so human. And he really just wanted to make everyone smarter and everyone better mm-hmm. than what they were doing. And he goes, I really hate this bullshit hero worship that people have about me. And I, and then, then of course, I was like scared because I made Dick Smith curse. <laughs> so I wasn't really, but I did get a chance to meet him because he used to, he used to have uh, he used to teach at Yayogi School, which is in Japan, which no longer exists. Oh yeah, I've seen and, the demos. Again. And I flew out to Japan in 2000 to hang out with the master, the godfather of makeup, Dick Smith. I had breakfast with him, and the best conversations we had was if you ever watch the DVD of uh, the making of uh, Taxi Driver. He mentions mm-hmm. a certain artist, a certain actor saying, oh, he was a perfectionist. And perfectionist is a code word. Mm-hmm. That means they were a pain in the ass. <laughs> so he goes, and on the DVD, he mentions, well, this actor was a perfectionist about he, he was. But when he was candid, he goes, this actor was a pain in my ass. <laughs> but I watched the man do a makeup application, two makeup applications. He did an exorcist makeup. Uh, and he did an old man makeup. And I remember when he was done, he cleaned all the makeup off the uh, off this model and he threw them in the trash. And I go up to him and I look in the trash bin and I say, are you going to throw those out? And he goes, well, yeah. And I said, can I keep them? I have this visual of Craig diving for the trash. And I, <laughs> at this day... In a shrine with candles and a sacrificed chicken or two, uh, uh-huh. I have the pieces that Dick Smith painted on in a glass case. Uh-huh. Because, now this is the day when he did a lot of stuff with foam latex. Uh-huh. This is prior to silicone application. So the idea of looking at someone, and for people who want to know the difference between painting silicone and painting foam latex, is foam latex is an opaque material that you, as an artist, have to paint in such a way that you have to paint it translucent. So here's the master of makeup painting something opaque and making it translucent. And God knows I kept that shit, and I still have them to this day on my shelf and stuff like this. 
I still have it. Once in a while, I uh, I, I uh, take it out, rub it against my chest. I rub it against my chest, my genitals, whatever you want, uh, and it's just amazing. Awesome. You know, but this is the guy because of, of anyone that has any, you know, the idea behind uh, Pierce and Cheney and the Westmores. Beyond the Westmores, there really isn't anyone that we kind of say that really changed the face of makeup that we could say beyond the, the Bakers mm-hmm. and yeah. C. Johnsons and um, Botine and all that kind of stuff. Because, you know, we all have our heroes. We all have our inspirations and things like this. And a lot of it comes from us saying, man, I want to be like that guy. I want to be like that guy. Uh, And the idea of like, that's our inspiration. That's our our motivation to being who we are and who we want to become. Regardless of whether we have people who are throwing roadblocks in front of us. Whether they're a personal person close to us or whatever, because the idea behind it all is that we love what we do and nothing is going to stand in the way of what we love to do because we're all fucked in the head and that's exactly <laughs> what we're going to do. Well, I would like, I would like to rebut that. Um, I rebut love that. I love what I'm I do. At my rebut, dude. I love what I do, <laughs> but if I win this 1.6 billion, they don't want it already. Oh, no, nobody wants it. No, they want it. No, no. no. in Pennsylvania. No. It's done. No, dude. No, yeah. I think it's a Tuesday. Is just, no, no, yeah. nobody won the Mega I think it's Tuesday because no one won. It was one billion, and no one won, so now it's one point six billion. I think it's a Tuesday night. One point six billion, and I bought a hundred dollars worth of tickets. Oh my god! Did I uh, win? I'll open the big ass shop. No, I will take this makeup career and say thank you and move on. See, no, if if I ever didn't need to do it for a living, it would go back to being my hobby because that it's always been a part of my life. It was my hobby, then it was my living, and once it became my living, it kind of stopped being my hobby, which is sad. Right, but. Sure. It, would, have another hobby. it would go back to being my hobby. Masturbating right. is a hobby. Masturbating is a great hobby. I mean, when you, you do it, it's super well. No, the idea is like we all found something that we love to do, makeup. And it started as a hobby because usually that's how it starts out. It starts as something we do because we always have to have a job that pays money and stuff like this because everything has to have a beginning. Right. And the hobby really because you know if you think about it, what a hobby is a hobby is kind of like what you love more than mm-hmm. anything you know and that's what you love to do you love to do whatever you're doing as a hobby because that's what you do to really stress or right. you go home you say i'm going to do this i'm going to do this <laughs> and the idea is um and, and and the idea is like but when you start to realize hey you know, i can make a living take care of my family, right. do all that I need to do, still do what I love. And yes, we got to deal with the bullshit of what the reality of it all is. But none of us here ever say, fuck, I'm done. Except for if you win the one billion. But you say the same you thing know, if you won 1.6 billion. Sir. You know, but I'm still going to do what I do, but I'll just do it sort of like whatever. You want to so do the ones you want to do. Yeah, exactly. Because it's in us. It's in. It's ingrained in our personalities. It's ingrained in the fiber of our being. Yeah, I might not go. Yeah, I might not go to set five days a week. Yeah, I might not go to set five days a week. Yeah, that's yeah,
No, it's perfect. Yeah, yeah. It's much better than when people are on and just have yes or, or no answers. That's much worse. So the next question, I got a question. Is, do some people like send you texts while you're doing this to say, who are these three schmucks talking? They're <laughs> <laughs> drunk ass in the Jersey garage. I try to avoid the texts and messages during the show just uh, – Oh, so okay. I can see. Can you turn these guys off? Because God knows what the fuck they're talking about. All right. Go ahead. I'm <laughs> sure. You're, you're well, I was just going to say for, for each of you, what was it specifically about makeup that did uh, interest you? And why are you, why are you so in love with makeup? Oh, I said it before. That's the shimmery rouge. The shimmery rouge. Yeah, but you look so good in that. I think glitter. I'll start that one. Um, Unlike Jeremy and Craig, oh, <laughs> my. Um, I didn't want to be a makeup artist at the beginning. I actually wanted to be a Walt Disney animator, and I was more interested in animation and illustration. And I went to college in Brooklyn, a place called Pratt Institute for Animation. And about three months in, I realized that college wasn't working out the way I planned it to. You go from being like one of the top artists in high school to like one of the mediocre artists in college, it starts, you know, playing with your head. So one day I'm in the lunchroom at college and I see a Fangori magazine and ad for a makeup school in Orlando. That's exactly how I did, except it was the Art Institute. Yeah. So I'm like, you know what, man, why am I dicking around with Disney? And this is back in the 90s when like Disney was king. You know, you had Aladdin and Mermaid and Lion King and all that. So... I ended up going to makeup school. I take all my college money. I go to makeup school, and I did it as a goof. I did it as like, eh, you know what? I don't really know what I want to do with my life. I spent my whole life wanting to be an animator, and I'm just going to fall into makeup and try it out. So I go to makeup school for 14 weeks, graduate, and since I'm from New York City, I went back home and started working on movies, and that's where I met Craig. And every day, for the longest time, I would figure, okay, I'm doing this little by little. I'm doing... $50 a day jobs or $100 day jobs and you're working your way up and you start meeting more people and things didn't start exploding until I got into the union and even then when I joined the union in 08, I didn't really start working on union gigs until 2011, you know, so you spend all this time because you spend all this time working on movies because you realize at that point I'm almost 35 years old, 40 years old, I'm going to be 43 now, but it's like you get to that point of your age, you're like, holy shit, I've been doing this so long. I have nothing else to do. <laughs> I either have to do makeup or I got no job at all. Oh, I got my fallback career. I'm going to be a mailman. <laughs> I have said that. Government jobs. You're going to be a gigolo. No more for Craig. So, yeah, I, I think that's how it fell in for me is that I didn't grow Like, a lot of makeup artists I've spoken to have, like, grown up worshiping, you know, the masters and watching, you know uh, – of chiller theater and all the old stuff back in the day. Like Craig, you know, was around in the fifties when he worked at you know. I was down when the dinosaurs roamed when, the earth. When Craig was the intern on Wizard of Oz. Uh -huh. you know? <laughs> the takeaway here is Craig is old. Yeah. He's good. He's still going. He's in his young sixties. He's in his young sixties. I'm not that old motherfucker. You know, Neil, when I, I mean, I was in retail for 11 years and mm -hmm. I, um, you know, I, I, I worked in record stores. I worked in, what's a record? 
Uh, <laughs> it was this vinyl plastic thing that you put on a device that spun around. Frisbee. Uh, like a Frisbee. It looked like a Frisbee. Sometimes some of the records that sucked we used as a Frisbee. But, I mean, I was in retail for 11 years, and one of the last jobs I ever had before uh, actually changing over the makeup is I used to be a game tester. I used to uh, test video games. Atari 2600? Uh, no, no. <laughs> Okay, no, we're talking like Magnavox, uh, Intelligence, oh and shit like this. No, 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 it was, but anyway, so the idea behind it, but I always did makeup. There was always something that, I, I think I started, I started playing with makeup, but I'm going to date myself really, really far. Back to you saying, is, is when, when we used to have to fight Mastodons uh, to do, I, I started Training kind of playing with the idea in, in 1985, and I did a lot of student films when I started doing makeup and things like this. And actually, if I remember uh, Undying uh, Love, no, 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 Undying Love, uh, uh, was it? Rocky Billy Vampire. Rocky Billy Vampire. Yeah. Well, I, I said, I, we I, are I, really I, promoting I, the shit. I, 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 I did, did terrible. Is, um, was kind of a student film, really. It was, uh, yeah, it, it was pretty much a student film. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of how I started. And I remember Lamberson kind of really saying, like, how we met and all this kind of stuff and things like this. So we all had a love for what we did. It was more of an interest or a hobby because we, I mean, as far at least talking about myself is I was like, is this really going to be a career? Can I make money yeah, I out of it? it to me, it was a hobby. It was fun to do. Right. But truth be told, I often would quit jobs. Legitimate jobs. Oh yeah, to go do a movie job. I, used to be a, I didn't get paid for. Totally, I used to be a waiter at the Olive Garden in Times Square, and I quit right. to go do a movie in Texas. Yeah, because you know the, that stuff was the fake job. The real job was being the makeup artist. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was a, I was working at telemarketing. I was a waiter. I was a bartender. Um, I worked in some seedy places in Times Square. You know, like I did a lot of shitty jobs. So you were the guy in the booth instead of. I was the guy. <laughs> Dealing with the booth after the fact. Oh, so you so you were the mop boy in the booth. I would say mop oh, boy. So sorry for what I did to you. <laughs> no, I, I took the money. I collected the money. Uh, mine was pretty straightforward. Since you know, 1984, 85, I got heavy into this. You know, Fangoria, Gorzo magazines were like my my bibles. I, I was just insane for horror movies, um, and I wanted oh, to do it. You know. Yeah, completely. Yeah. I just didn't understand that it was a viable career to do makeup. So I went to school for, I went to college for film school, thinking that I would have to do that and then take a back door into makeup. It wasn't, I went to the back door. You're always always taking the back door. (laughs) These are softballs I give you guys. (laughs) Underhand lobs. Yeah, you definitely got softballs. (laughs) (laughs) Softballs you're not working hard enough, my friend. Oh, Um, God. (laughs) You got to be retracted close to the body. But like it was like I always knew this is what I wanted to do. I just didn't understand it was a viable career because I had a I had a uh, guidance counselor in high school that was like, no, there's no future in the arts for you. I like to go back to my high school now, and they're like, yeah, there kind of is, and you can make a really nice living off of it. Yeah, but the only thing one of the references we had back in the '80s was like Rick Baker's Making a Thriller. Remember that was yeah. the first yeah. one. And I that's knew. where you really ever saw like. Someone actually doing makeup. That was the first time I saw makeup. Yeah, and done you, and you don't think of that shit on me. You're yeah. thinking like, oh, look, he's gluing. That's just a guy working mm-hmm. on the show, gluing something to his face. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, my parents were blue collar workers, and their whole idea. My father, both my parents were union people. They had, they were not in the business 
whatsoever. So their fear was whether or not I was able to kind of support myself, My mom had possibly thing, have yeah. a future in this business. And if I get a, and if all three of us at this right now, all union makeup artists, all supporting our families, all maintaining our households, all taking care of our kids, would say that if you have a dream, if you have the, the desire, or if you have the passion, you can have all the things that you could have. You could take care of your family. Yeah. Because being, you know, if we go back to the union, the idea is that my parents were like, you get in the union, they got this, they got this, and stuff like this. And it may be sort of like... You know, blah, 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 in terms of, but this is important issues when it comes to being an adult. You have to sort of take care of your, your, your responsibilities here's, to here's, family. Here's a question for you. Oh, for shit. you too. Mm -hmm. And since we're all parents, would you let your children work in this industry that we work in? I would give them the reality of what it entails. And exactly. 16 to 18 hour days for yeah. commute and the, the failure rate as a makeup yeah. artist. It's but, higher now. Well, but here's the thing. I don't know anyone that wanted to get into this industry that was serious about it, legitimately serious, that didn't make a go of it. I mean, we've talked shit about some of the people that we think less of than others. And we're not going to name names live on the radio. But And even they <laughs> The have, radio. It's the internet. On the internet. <laughs> but even they have successful, you know, five to six figure income careers. Sure. Yeah. So, like, if you really work at it, like, I, I mean... I went to school, the same school, Art Institute of Pittsburgh, Brian Spears, Mike Harvey, a lot of guys that we all came out of the same school. We're all doing really yeah. well. Like we're like we're we're like They're the working. school success stories, like working well on big shows, on like big. But jobs. out of your class, would you say the failure rate? I but mean, I could recognize the ones that I knew in class that were actually serious it. about it. Like in my class, I could think of maybe one or two other kids that it, this wasn't just going to be a hobby for, and those are the ones that are legitimately working. You know, the same as me. They were the ones that put in an extra project every every quarter. They were the ones that were talking to the teachers, just being that, you know, the annoying kiss ass that was like, well, what if I do this, 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 and this? Right. But, like, we are the ones that made it. And, like, everyone that I could tell in class that was serious about it are making a legitimate career out of it now. Me too. Yeah, I mean, the way I look at it, because I, I, I've taught at Makeup Designery. I talked at Makeup Forever. Christine and, and Christine Valmay. And and you, your joke. You you also taught at Christine Valme, and, and 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 uh, well, the idea is the the passion. Now yeah. we talked about a hobby. Remember, uh, remember, a hobby is a passion. Whether whatever it is, it's a passion for what you do, and the idea of turning that passion. Obviously, as we grow up, the thing I look at it this. <laughs> I look at it this. Uh, passion. Sorry, but, uh, but the idea about turning a passion into something that we love to do, that we want to do—that's that's an important factor. We want to do this, mm -hmm. and regardless of whether or not we have to work, we have to wake up at three o'clock in the morning. We always say, you know, it sucks waking up at three o'clock in the morning, but we never say the word "I quit." Oh, no, say I the job that. kind of uh, sucks. Oh yeah, no, no, no. I mean, I, I mean, we're not gonna say that. I wake up at three o'clock in the morning every fucking day, and I. I you live two hours away from this goddamn. Yeah, city, some of us work closer to our job. <laughs> you know, but but regardless of the fact is, and and this is a good thing to say to everybody who really like think about that this is what they want to do, 
and really make a serious career, not someone who wants to do something on the internet or something mm-hmm. like this, who really wants to say, I want to fucking be a makeup artist. There's no one with and, Instagram and, 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 and the idea in the morning to do this. Right. Is the idea of saying that, and we talked about families, we talked about responsibilities, but in some ways, we are not miserable. Well, we're not miserable. We're not, I mean, it sucks a little bit for what we have to do, but the idea that this is what we love to do. We turn a, we turn a hobby, which is a passion, into our livelihood. And, and we're doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's no other job I can think of that I would wake up. I can't up do and, anything and, else. Well, besides that, like, there's nothing else I would wake up. I mean, I'm too old. Well, uh, mailman. I mean, I'm too old to be a gigolo at this point. Gigolo. Nasty. What's his name? Nasty Neil. Nasty Neil. Go ahead. Where's your brother, Neil? He's not here this evening. The terrible one is not here this evening. He's chat with his girlfriend, actually. He's got a girlfriend? He's had a girlfriend for since high school. They've never married, but uh, yeah, I've been right. together okay. for like I mean, 30 I, I, years. I, I didn't mean it that way. I didn't mean it that way. No, I didn't mean uh, it that way. No, no, you got to get this back on track. I have a girlfriend since high school. I married her. <laughs> yeah, they, 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 don't, they don't believe in marriage, but they're, they, they own a house and everything together, so. It's all good. It's been like 37 years. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm, in, uh, Craig. I'm Craig. Craig, take your lollipop. I'm just like, shit. I'm going to go away right now. And I'm no, no, no. We're, you're good. You're good. You're good. You're not fired. <laughs> all right, Neil. Go ahead. You're next. Oh, <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Yeah, all right you're well, next on your show. <laughs> well, uh, since you brought up, you know, um, Gore Zone and Fangoria, did all of you, you know, start off as horror movie fans? Is that how you got into makeup? I certainly did. I mean, I can remember being seven years old watching uh, in uh, on the East Coast. We had WPIX 11, which all October long they would call. Uh, they would have Shocktober. Yeah. Every night they would be edited for TV, 8 p.m. horror movies. That's how I was introduced to Michael Myers, to Jason, to Freddy. And Freddy's the one I fell for. And I fell hard for the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Um, I remember I was in the I, I got hit by a car and I was in the hospital at eight, at eight years old. I got class. I got letters from my entire class. Every one of them was a drawing of Freddie, who back then was, you know, as famous as Mickey Mouse. This is right around Nightmare 3, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 1986, 1986. Right. So, like, he was at the height of his popularity with his 1-900 numbers that were advertised. Yeah, Freddie during... Freddy yeah. was on late TV. I remember like, that. they were advertised during morning cartoons. This, yeah. This ridiculous 1-900 number, and I was obsessed with Freddy Krueger um, and just grew up watching horror movies. Scared the shit out of him. I couldn't sleep at night. But for whatever reason, it was the 80s, and my parents were okay, you know, saying, yeah, told the video store, uh, uh, what was it called, Movie Time, that I got the, uh, the R-rated pass. I was allowed to rent them. Um, my daughter now, at nine years old, won't go near them, which is, you know, kind of a heartbreaker. But you kind of want that. No, I, I tried. I said, like, if there's a horror movie you want to watch, I will watch it with you. you know, Has she watched any horror movie yet? She's done Gremlin. She's done the classic Universals. Um, we're not talking like she's on the thing or Texas. No, she won't. She's too scared of them. I've tried. I've, I've dipped her toes in, but she won't do it. Good though. You don't want to like. I mean, wake up with the middle of the night. Yeah. See now, true. for me, horror movies were not a thing in my house. My mom, uh, my mom was a single mom for a while, and she remarried in '88. So I had a stepfather most of my childhood, 
But um, horror movies was not a thing in my house. The only real horror thing I ever got into as a kid was Tales from the Crypt. And I fucking loved Tales from the Crypt. That was like 91. You're older than me. No, Tales from the Crypt was like 89. And the thing is, like, I just wasn't into horror movies. I was always Disney animation. I was always into cartoons, comedies, fun movies. Horror movies, I mean, I've seen Nightmare 3 and I've seen Child's Play. But I was... was That was a revolutionary movie. But it's a great movie. But I wasn't into horror movies in the sense of, like, a fanboy. is Like, I had never seen Texas Chainsaw, Carrie... Cujo or even Red Stephen King books. When I got older, Pet Cemetery. When I got older, um, and I started delving into like some horror movies, I'd watch them as like a goof, but I wouldn't really like like oh I love horror movies. I didn't actually fall in love with horror movies until I started the horror film festival with Mike Hines. That's funny. And that was like 2002. That's late in the game, buddy. So late in the game. I had already done makeup. I had already done makeup, and I was, like, already into, you know, doing effects makeup. And I watched horror movies as references, but I wasn't, like, I didn't even own a lot of horror movies. But uh, this guy, Michael Hine, and I started uh, the New York City Horror Film Festival in 2002. And from then, I started watching everything. Night of the Living Dead, Day of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Return of the Living Dead, Chainsaw, Chainsaw 2, Chainsaw 3, Halloween 1, 2, 3, 4. And I would literally watch every horror movie I could get my hands on. Because it wasn't a thing for me when I was a kid. Uh, nowadays, I mean, I'm big on the Elm Streets, and I'm big on... I don't watch horror movies as much as I used to, because now being a parent of yeah, a baby, same. I, 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 I weep for the babies. So it's <laughs> like, I can't really get into them as much. I'm behind the game. Actually, last night I got... I was in the lab all day, and I was watching everyone on Facebook. I'm like, yeah, I'm going off to see Halloween. I was like, you know what? God damn it, I gotta go see this. Um, and I managed to get a sitter, and me and, me and my wife went out to see it, and it was a shit ton of fun, and it reminded me of the kind of horror movies I was watching when I was a kid. It was slow, it was plodding, it was creepy, it was intense. It was, it was yeah. really good horror, and we just don't get a lot of that theatrically anymore. Like, there's a ton of great shit hitting Netflix and, and, and you know, directed DVD now, but the, the, the theatrical horror movies that I used to go to, you know, five, six times a year as a kid, no, we just don't get that as much anymore. So, Craig, what was it like seeing Wolfman in the theater? <laughs> uh, well, I remember seeing Nosferatu in the theater. Actually. You were actually uh, the one playing the organ, right? I was. I was playing some organ, but whatever it was. Uh, <laughs> but you know, like I said, as as a previous interview, we had my mother was a big horror movie fan. Was she really? That's so my mother was. was That's cool. fucking. I, I didn't have that. And I never told this story, but. I remember there was a there was a time where, you know, my mother used to work for the school board, uh, Queen School Board, and she didn't come home, and we were like, "Fuck!" Did she finally say, "Come to her her senses and say we're we're done, I'm done here"? But we were like wondering what happened to to my mom, and we're like, you know, remember? And I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna date myself. This is pre- before cell phones and things like this, and we're learning what what so happened. Yeah, it was like we're like early eighties. I'm like, where the fuck is mom? Cell phone. She hasn't. She hasn't called. She hasn't come home. Usually, she comes home after 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 her work, and then she comes home maybe about six o'clock. And we're like, mom, where did you go? She goes, I went to Times Square and I saw Doctor Butcher N.D. in Times Square. Wow. This was my mom, and then I said before, my mom took me and my dad to see, like. Zombie and Fulci zombie. uh, zombies and and uh, Exorcist and uh, the Omen 
and don't look in the basement, all these wow. 70 horror movies. And I tagged along because back then, as I said, there really wasn't that sort of R and X and triple right. X. A lot of things like I Eat Your Skin and, <laughs> and Beast of Blood was G-rated. And I remember seeing that, right? that. That's weird. Yeah, it was all G-rated. So I no, saw like all these Filipino horror movies with John Agar at the RPO Keith in Cannibal, you know, and in in the RPO Keith. And we're talking about dismemberment and heads, decapitations and shit like this with my mom. Wow. And Mm. this was my mom's influence. Now, my parents were blue collar workers, so they were like, you ain't going to make no money doing mega. What the hell are you talking about? (laughs) Well, but then (laughs) there's no reference because back in those days, even they didn't know that there was a union. And I mean, if we go back to it, it wasn't a means to make a real solid living. That's a perfect example. Because like in the 70s, you're watching these movies. No one's thinking these people are making six figures, like like whoever did the makeup on Zombie or Suspiria or Exorcist or anything like that. Like six figures, like they're not making a certain amount of money. And any parent would want their children to succeed to the point where you're comfortable. Yeah. I want my son to be comfortable. And I know if he wants to be a makeup artist, I will help him. But I will also fear that because I know damn well taken me almost i've been makeup now i've been doing makeup for almost 23 years and i'm just now at that point where i'm like okay the button yeah but now it's taking me 23 years five years well that's that's a different story i mean you know blacklist is a whole other thing but i feel like it's taking you that long to get to a certain point but at, at, at what certain point do you dictate whether or not you are quote unquote successful the idea about whether you are, you know, if we go on to the reality of this, are you cleaning your nails with a chisel? Dude? I got nail polish. <laughs> I need to get nail polish. I got a daughter. I got nail polish. Okay. The idea, and, 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 and we talk about the idea about the reality of, of being a makeup artist in the business and in the industry. The idea is that if you people really want to do it, they can do it. They can really, really do it. Yeah. It's the idea of understanding it. We talk about, I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. Years ago, uh, well, years ago, but I was talking to Louis Zakari, and I mentioned Louis Zakari as being the department head of SNL for the last 25 years. And it's only been about 25 years. It's been on for 25 years. Yeah, it's been on, whatever. So, and he's been on longer as the department head. He's the longest running, yeah, longest running department show, head. One day that show will get canceled. You know that show is not for me. Michael's it started like October. Shit, I remember when it Louis fucking premiered. Yeah. in that lab. Like, 10 years after the show was canceled. You know, like Neil, 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 does that, answer, does that answer your question? There was a question? Yeah, the oh, question. yeah, yeah. We, now we're into uh, the Saturday Neil, Live. Neil is like, yeah. Neil's like on the internet playing like solitary. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> this is great. I don't have to do anything. These jackasses are just <laughs> rambling on. I can sit here and play anything. But, uh, you know, the, the idea is that, so, yes, crazy. there's a way that you could have all the things that reality requires of you and still fulfill the dreams that you have as a kid. Yes. Mm-hmm. Does so, that answer in any way, shape, or form? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 of course. He asked about shit. Did he talk about it? Yeah, he did. That's a hard movie. You, you <laughs> went right back into the hobby. Neil, please, next question before Craig goes off. <laughs> well, I was just saying, like, sorry. Yeah. 
He's got this far away look in his eyes. No, I think the idea is like, no, no, the idea of just saying to people that might be listening in that this is what they want to do. Yes, there's a potential to have what okay. they want to do and still be able to take care of the responsibilities of reality. In this market that we're in now with the internet and yeah. all these Instagram makeup artists and yeah. all these YouTube makeup artists, do you feel it is harder for someone to get into the industry as oversaturated as it is now? Do you feel that someone, it is harder for someone to get into the industry and become a successful makeup artist due to social media, Instagram, no. and everything else they're judged by? I think what do you think, Neil? What do you think? I, I think what he, I actually, I would think it's easier to get in, but it's harder to actually stand out or to make a there living with it. That's the answer. I don't know. No, no, no. Instagram or Facebook. Or I think that goes for, for like almost everything since yeah, there is since the internet, you know, anyone could just go on YouTube and do something, but that doesn't mean that people are going to watch it or you're going to get anything out of it. But even, right. even, you know, there's a couple artists out there with millions of followers that don't have a resume past social media. You know, they might have a sponsorship on YouTube, but, like, they're still doing methods that are either outdated or irresponsibly dangerous, and they're selling this to a million people, and that, that stuff kills us. And every year, especially around this time around Halloween, there's always one shiny example that goes around of someone trying to glue real scissors next to their eyes or an actual sharpened aluminum can next to their eyeball. Yeah, I or, saw that on Facebook. Yeah, there's always something that makes the round that we just tear apart because, yeah, they might have 3 million followers on Instagram, but that's it. It that's, don't make it right. Exactly. It don't make it right. Yeah. yeah there's, there's still a legitimate way to do things, and I think even, even the most novice producer can tell the difference between a real artist and a social media artist. Which isn't to say there's some amazing social media artists. Uh, Powda comes to mind. I don't know his real name. I think Maurice Chow is P O W D A H. That guy Powda. I have no idea who you're talking about. He's incredible. Does all these like exposed anatomy makeups? There's amazing. a body, There's a couple of body painters I see that are like yeah. amazing yeah. too. Yeah. But they don't work in. It's, it's literally his hobby. He has millions of followers. He has a, a PPI sponsorship, uh, but he's working with wax. You know, he's not working with anything that can hold up on set. Yeah. Powder. Yeah. He's an cool. incredible artist. Powder, powder. But he's not working in the industry. Interesting. And conversely, there are people that absolutely should not be working in the industry that have, you know, 10 million followers. And thank God they're not. Wow, that is pretty cool. Yeah, he, he's amazing. Does that hurt you guys at all? Like uh, people uh, getting a lot of followers and doing this stuff online? Like how, how does that... Uh, how does that affect you guys uh, professionally? I mean, once in a blue moon, I get a producer. I mean, I really, once in a blue moon, like if it's one out of 50. But like, oh, I saw this thing online. You made it look super easy. Can you do this for 50 bucks? You know, and there yeah. usually just takes a, a little explain to be like, well, you know, this isn't really something that could last on set for 14 hours. Right. This isn't something that we could reconstruct for continuity for three hours. It, it doesn't really hurt, but it does require some more explanation. You know, there's some reality TV shows out there which might have exposed our industry into an interesting light, which maybe some of us here have some experience with. <laughs> uh, which made things look a little easier than they really were. All right, all right. How are we going to broach this? I'll come clean. Neil, I'll let Neil start it. 
was like an AA meeting. I'll let Neil start. I'm Anthony, and, and I'm I was just on- now. <laughs> I'm just now buzzed enough to talk about it. <laughs> so does he talk about Face Off? I assume. And that is what yeah. I was uh, yeah. gently alluding to. All right, all right. Hey, we've got to come Let's up at some point. <laughs> I expected it to come up. To come up. Um, I was on season one of Face Off. And, um, okay, here's the deal. <laughs> Face Off was probably one of the best things I ever did for my career. Because when I got the call... They were looking for amateur artists, and I recommended a couple of kids I knew to go on the show. Two days later, I got the call saying they can't find any decent amateur artists, so we're opening up to professionals. So being I, – I had nothing to lose. My wife said, yeah, why don't you try out? What's the big deal? No big deal. I tried out for the show, uh, flew out to L.A. They put me in a hotel in Burbank for three days and did some makeup tests and – you know, fast forward, I got on the show as season one contestant. Um, I was on the show for, I was in Burbank, locked away in a room for about five weeks with no internet, no phone, no cell phone, nothing. <laughs> and we just turned out makeups. Uh, I didn't win the show. No, I was, no, you did not. <laughs> yeah, but you know what, motherfucker? Listen to this. This is where it's going to come out. It's going to come out on stage now. <laughs> All right, so I didn't win. I got booted off on episode six. And I'm not going to talk about it if you don't want to hear about it. Anyway, I went on the show. But in hindsight, um, since I was part of season one, I'd actually become really good friends with V. Neal. And V. Neal is popular, you know, big time makeup artist. She'd work on Edward Tizan's Beetlejuice. Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. I mean, she, she, Greg, she was on that with Greg Cannon. But he worked on Lost Boys, yeah. you know, but V and I became good friends and V brought me on to do uh, the second Hunger Games movie in Atlanta for a couple days and then brought me on to do the Amazing Spider-Man movie in New York. And being a union makeup artist, I hadn't really broken into the union circles yet until kiss my ass <laughs> until I actually got uh, onto the set of Amazing Spider-Man in New York where I met Craig who was already in the union and I met Vince you met me yeah but I mean like I'd seen you finally like hey hey this Craig and, this James, bar, and James Sarzati and uh, I met I got into the union circles and I met Vince Siki who was supposed to be here but but he's uh, not but he's not because he was delayed yeah um, I believe so like, the thing is with Face Off is like when I was on the show, it was actually about makeup. We were actually just basically doing, doing, you know what, man? <laughs> I, don't, I really don't know how to talk. I mean, I can't, I can't front face off being a bad thing for my career. I got razzed on enough for it, for getting things off. And, you know, I've heard it all from everybody. I even heard that, like, they watch it at the SNL makeup studio a lot just to, like, goof on it. And that's fine. We can't wait to the day they said, you're done. <laughs> and that's fine. It, it, the way I see it, as the way I see it, Face Off was a good stepping point for me to jump off and get into the union circles. And from there, I met Vincent Skiki. Vincent Skiki recommended me for a Spike Lee movie. Spike Lee... I met a producer, and fast forward a couple more years, and now I'm department heading uh, the blacklist on NBC, and I've been doing that for the last five seasons. After I got fired from it. Well, you, <laughs> I replaced your boss. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I replaced yeah. your boss. 
Um, yeah. My sloppy seconds. So, yeah, the rivalry still kicks into this. <laughs> so, face-off was not so much like, I met some really good people, but the highlight of it is I actually became friends with V. And I can't ever take that away. So, face-off, it was a good thing. But nowadays, face-off became kind of like a, who could build the biggest costume with duct tape? That started, what, like season three, where it just season started, four, like, Season four, five, six, it went all the way to season 12, and it became, like, this whole monster, who could build the biggest monster with duct tape and styrofoam. Three was where I tapped out. That's where I stopped watching, yeah. where it became, there was a, I'm not going to take away anyone from, that goes on that show, because the contestants have nothing to do with what the producers Yeah, are. I mean, I've spoken to a lot of face-off contestants from later episodes who have said that face-off did nothing for their career, and... I feel that was because most of the people that were on Face Off later on have never even been on the set. Yeah. At least in my season, every makeup artist, I mean, Connor McCullough and I, who won the show, were actually union makeup artists. Mm-hmm. And everyone else had been on a fucking set. Yeah. Nowadays, they're just grabbing, oh, you want to do makeup? You, yeah, you can. Can you hold, can you hold the brush yeah. this way and not this way? Boom, you're on the show. I mean, that's what, that's what it became. Josh, Josh Shuri, who was also supposed to be here tonight, but and Josh did audition. Yes, yeah, Josh did. Yeah. He got on the show but couldn't because he was NBC. Yeah. Well, I, I was one of the You two. did. I was one of the few that had I some scruples and was like, I had scruples and they were chasing me down and said, hey, I, I remember a letter that I got said, hey, we can't guarantee you're going to win, but we can promise you that you'll make it far if you come out and audition for See, us. That's some bullshit. Isn't it? This is season two. Yeah, they were aggressively chasing me, but I had just started working on Boardwalk Empire. I just had a baby. So there was no, I was, I just wasn't, she had the baby. She had the baby, the <laughs> lady standing behind me. I had recently been party to having a baby. I just wasn't I gonna, watched. <laughs> I wasn't going to leave the house. I wasn't going to go and be sequestered no, across the country. I mean, there was literally, no world. Lot, they locked us up in Burbank for five, six weeks. And the only way my wife knew I was still on the show was that they would give us a check for $500 every week for incidentals. Right. And they would mail it to New York. So we weren't wife, even allowed to call. Nothing. That's, they took my phone. They took my phone. This they isn't took, Survivor. They What's took the my point? phone. They took my wallet. They took everything. They didn't even have any clocks in the building, so we never knew what time it was. That's like, the world could have blown up, and I wouldn't even know because I'm in Burbank. So that's what, but going back. So you were in the room, and you, that was it? You never were allowed to, well, I'm assuming you were allowed to get out. Well, we go, well, the, the shop that we were at was Greg Kenzel. Yeah, 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 yeah. We would go there. And then they put us in a 15 pass, bring us back to the house, and then stay in the house, and then bring us back to the shop, back and forth. We never left until we do like the location thing where we go to like the the famous rocks and you know mm-hmm. in the, the Star Trek rocks, or we go to like the Psycho the House, the rocks if you prefer. Like we do the Psycho House right. at Universal at five in the morning. Like those things we did, but no, we were just in the shop, in the house, and so, that was it. So so when you kicked off in in episode. Four. <laughs> yeah. There were eight episodes of season one. I got booted on season six. Greg Nicotero kicked me off. I, wait, no. I, I, I used to quote the thing show. that was said to so, A vessel of ineptitude. Was that it? Yeah, you're talking about... Uh, what's his Glenn Hetzel. What is that, dude? Yeah. I, I used to rewind and play that know. over and over and over. I, I didn't get booted for that makeup. Remember, this is all done with love. Yeah. But I didn't all get booted for that makeup. Let me ask you this, that I, as I take the interview away from you for a second, uh, <laughs> when you were done with the show, what did they do with you? What do you mean when I got kicked off? Yeah, when you were done. So since I got booted, episodes, episode eight, final episode, and they were bringing everybody back. 
And I remember that night very well. So you well. were staying in the, well, in, here's in, what the happened. in the house? Here's what happened. That night, when <laughs> I got booted off, I go to the producer. I'm like, so I'm done. Put me on the red eye. I want to go back to New York tonight. I want to go home. And they're like, well, no, because next week we're doing the final episode where everybody's coming back. <laughs> so we're going to keep you in the hotel. We're going to keep you in a room in the same complex for another week by myself. I'm like, no, 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 no. You're going to put me up in the Burbank Hotel. You're going to give me a stipend, and I'm going to go to the movies, and I'm going to hang around L.A. They wouldn't give me a car. But they basically <laughs> said, lock me up in this hotel for a week. And it was weird because that whole week I would just sit there and, like, go on the Internet, and I'd go to the movies, and I'd go to this, and I'd go to that. And then one day I'm actually walking across the street, and I see the van of the contestants <laughs> Leaving the complex to go to the drag to go to Canada Studio, I fucking dive in the bushes because I'm technically gone, but I'm not gone. They kept me there for the extra week. Oh, because you were a surprise bring back. Because like, oh, episode eight, yeah. episode, hey, look, we brought everybody back. Yeah. And then the first thing Tate signs says, he goes, "How was New York?" I'm like, dude, I've been in a hotel. I've been in a hotel. I've been staying in a hotel for like a week. So they kept me. So they kept me. Because I, I had gotten kicked out so close to the end of the show. And even though yeah, I didn't... I thought it was much sooner than yeah, that. Anyway. It's not halfway through. Even though I didn't win the show, I, I had learned two things about myself. One, I had learned... That your friends are merciless? No, here's the thing. And this is an honest thing for makeup artists. Working in independent world, you only know how good you are from the person who pays you. The person pays you, they like what you did on camera, everybody's happy, boom, you think you did a good job, I'm good with it. I never really had other makeup artists tell me the quality of my work. Because it was kind of like a rivalry thing yeah, here sure. and there. It's like, I'm not going to sit there and shit on your stuff, or I'm going to shit on your stuff. And we've all turned out bad stuff, it happens. But it's one of those things where I never have been judged by my peers, I've only been judged by the people that were actually paying me. And mm -hmm. Dick Smith once told me, if the guy who's paying you likes it, then that's all that matters. Mm -hmm. You know, so being judged by my peers, especially V. Neal, telling me that this looks like shit. I don't know what Hetrick is. I give two fucking fucks about him. But but V, V telling me, okay, this is good or this is bad, you you take that to heart. Sure. And being in competition with other makeup artists from all around the country, some of them were from the Savini school, and you're learning like, oh my God, this isn't good stuff that I'm turning out. Yeah, these directors are paying me, you know, 500 bucks, 1,000 bucks for this, but it's not good. It's not up to the standard that you expect. So from Face Off, I had learned that, A, I learned that I was a body painter, which I didn't really know until I actually did the body paint challenge. But then I learned that I had seen my work in a different light. And I actually judged my work from this angle as opposed to saying, well, you know what, fuck it, man. I'm getting paid for it, and the guy likes it, so, mm -hmm. hey, we're good. You know, and I was dead at that level. And you actually said something to me that still resonates to this day. Craig gave wisdom? He gave me probably some of the best advice in my entire career. It, must have been it was the journeyman classes. Mm -hmm. uh, they were at MUD, and we were getting the journeyman class to become in the journeyman Friazzi. And we had to do burns that day. Mm -hmm. And I had churned out this whole third-degree burn, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, this is great. But Craig came to me and told me, you know, I really expected better from you. And I still hear that to this day. Mm -hmm. And every time I do a makeup, I hear you in the back of my head because I hold you to that standard because you're the first makeup artist I've ever met. Mm -hmm. And I respect that. You make me cry. But <laughs> it's true, man. It's true. I, I respect you in that sense because 
you made me see the makeup in a different light as opposed to saying, well, fuck it, man. The guy's going to pay me, mm. so it's good. Mm. You know what I mean? So I took a lot from Face Off. And then, granted, yeah, Face Off got me job after job, and I started working more in the union world and Boardwalk and Orange and working with you guys and more in a circle, and then it led up to Blacklist. And that's mm. it, Neil. You like that? Yeah. Put your grand I like that a lot, right. yeah. So, <laughs> I was wondering, like, uh, if you were going to show, like, what, what 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 you've done, what would be, like, the top, like, two or three things that you're the most proud of? That's a good question. Go ahead, Jim. That's a good question. I mean, generally, I once I'm a year past the work, I'm embarrassed by it. Like, I always think what I'm doing at the moment is some of the best shit I've ever done. Then I look back on it a year later. You know, looking back, over, I, I've been doing this now 15 years. There's a handful of pieces where I can still look at, be like, yeah, I, w- I was I was on my game that day. But I'm, I'm usually, you know, I'm I'm pretty critical of myself. Like a, a year out, I'm like, ah, what was I thinking? I could do that way better now. Even now, you know, I still constantly feel like everything I do, I could have done better and differently. Um, I don't know. Um, I did some shit with Craig. We got we got an Emmy nomination for it a couple of years back on Boardwalk Empire. That stuff still looks pretty decent to me. The guy with the, the burn makeup. Well, uh, yeah, full body head, burn. Was it the guy's head getting cut that, off? That was the same episode, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. a guy that got his head smashed by a wrench. Yeah, I remember that one. Uh, but Craig and I did a four-hour full body or half-body burn makeup. That still holds Michelle up nicely. Paris. Yeah, with Michelle Paris, the department head. Um, let's see. I, I've been at the show Elementary for like four years now, and I've done some shit there that I'm what happy with. the rat with. thing you did? The rat body. That was a good one. Here's my tiny nine-year-old daughter, yeah. so I'm going to stop cursing. <laughs> Hi. Hello. We're being polite. Say hello. What's your favorite makeup that daddy's yeah, doing? Tell me, what's, what's the coolest thing I've ever shown? Say what's your name and what's your favorite makeup your daddy ever does? Speak loud into the phone. Loud into the phone. This is what it's all about. Honestly, this is what it's all about. Oh, last year I did elf ears for her for Halloween. Oh. I like those. <laughs> Even though she wouldn't let me glue them on her a second time because it was sticky. <laughs> oh, and a couple of years ago I had the privilege of working for Dave and Lou Elsie on The Wiz. But I didn't design those makeups. I just I just got to apply them. Those were good makeups. Those were brilliant. That's the live show. Yeah, the live NBC show. And we slapped those things on in record time. And then got denied that Emmy nomination. Oof, that hurt. Mm. <laughs> well, you know, it's all about popularity. It's all about popularity and the straight makeup got the nomination. Uh, I'm in the same boat with Jeremy. I'd have to say that I, I, I start. I, I tend to clean out molds of my shop every two years because I look at like this. I'm like, ah, here's a burden mold. Here's a wound. And I'm going to throw this away because I could probably do a better sculpt here and there. Um, there are a couple of favorite pieces I've had in the past. Uh, one of my favorite pieces is definitely um, the body paint I did on Face Off. That was a lot of fun um, because I actually learned that I was a body painter. I had no idea. Yeah, you actually have a skill for that. I, I, I didn't actually, give you any kind of credit. But you were Jeremy actually brought me on to elementary to – I played hooky from Blacklist for a day to go through elementary and do body paint for him. Yep. And the producer actually came up to me and said it was great. So, hey, it's the same thing. The person paying says it was a great job. <laughs> Um, I have a couple of favorite pieces I've done over the years. Um, I can't really single them out because I always think that all my work sucks. (laughs) 
And, and we uh, think that way. Well, we, we think that way, too. Yeah. But you know what? It keeps, it keeps me going. So it's 90% of the uh, makeup work. Oh, yeah. I got one. Last year, I did a, or I guess this year, Jesus, time is crazy. I did a show called Dietland, and I did this burn makeup, and it was the most times I'd ever had to do the same makeup. I think we did it, oh, God, be almost, almost 30 times, I think, between testing and final episode. And I was so happy with it, and it was this it was this crazy show where there was she was just this gorgeous, gorgeous woman that we just destroyed half her face. I mean, it so frequently, and she was such a trooper. And you know, sometimes we would do this this makeup, and they wouldn't even shoot her. And I, I loved that makeup. That was I, w- I was really fond of that one. I, w- I was I was really devastated when that show got canceled. I really thought it was going to have some legs. And last we were the only it. one. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have a lot of favorite makeup. I mean, the one thing that we think about when you when you ask us what's our favorite makeup, the yeah. idea is that we kind of love all the stuff that we do. And there mm-hmm. isn't anyone. I know you asked me this question when we had done our interview a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and, and truth be told, there, there's a certain amount of like, amorous that we have to everything that we do because there's nothing that we do sort of half uh, excuse me, sweetheart, but half half, you know. I use that phrase um, in front of her a lot. You know, because no matter what we do, our reputation and our skills and are always on the line, no matter what we do, whether it's a small job or a big job, we always want to present our A game, yeah. regardless of what it is. And this stuff goes public and, in front of millions of people. You know, yeah. I mean, we're not talking about someone who's watching it like 10 or 12 people. We're talking about people who watch the show, who watch the show religiously. And the last thing we want to do is people to kind of say, hey, well, what, what the hell was that? So there isn't, and so we have a love affair for every single makeup that we apply because the only thing that we do is sort of trivial. It's all about about making it work, making the audience believe that we're, believe in what we're doing. The, uh, the last thing we want to do is take an audience out of the show that mm-hmm. we're doing, and we want them to believe that it just becomes both. The way I look at it is that if we do not disturb the flow of the audience's mind, we have achieved the goal of that a makeup is believable like, I, you know, the one thing that I, I never talked about the last time we talked about was one of my favorite makeups of all time, and I'm going to ask this question amongst my colleagues here. One of my favorite makeups of all time is uh, Father Merrill characters in The Exorcist. Absolutely. Oh. Because, let me, wait, let me just interrupt with a quick story yeah. there. I watched that movie, What Dreams May Come, the Robin Williams movie. Terrible movie. Terrible movie. I loved it, though. But, and Max von Sydow was in it. it Max von Sydow. I watched it, 1998, big fan of The Exorcist. I'm watching this going, wait, how is he the same age? Until that point, I never knew that he was covered head to toe in prosthetics in The Exorcist. And Dick Smith's makeup was so convincing. I just thought that's how old he was in the original The Exorcist. Because I remember seeing The Exorcist in the, in the theater, and the conceptual idea that, as I, we were talking about before, about a makeup just, uh, how do you say disappears into the storyline. It never becomes um, an obelisk what people see. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like people just pass it by. They accept it. And to me, the Dick Smith 
Father Merrill character has Marin. got to be Marion. Marion. Are you going to say the same thing about some other shit that I said before, motherfucker? Neil, oh, Marilyn or Meryl? Uh, <laughs> there is a child here. I'm sorry, Jamie. I shouldn't talk in front of you like this way. Um, but yeah, I did. Well, you're in New Jersey. You're going to hear that word a lot. Um, <laughs> but, but the idea is that when a makeup is never sort of pointed out as a makeup, mm-hmm. it's just accepted. I agree. As a storyline, okay, you know, even though as the makeup artist themselves, <laughs> as the makeup artist themselves, never get sort of, wow, that's a great makeup. But the idea that it's never really talked about is a sort of testament to the makeup artist themselves because it's never talked about. Mm-hmm. See, I feel the same way. Cause, I mean, again, the Dick Smith makeup, like, I didn't realize that Murray Abraham and Amadeus yeah, was an old man. Yeah. I didn't realize that was the same actor for the longest time. We watched Amadeus in school, in grade school, in music class, and I never realized that Sally, uh, Murray Abraham oh, was yeah. playing both roles. Right. I thought it was an old guy and a young guy. Never saw it. Mm-hmm. That's all I got to say. Yeah, just invisible makeups. But, you know, I think, like, you ask us what our favorite makeups are that we Yeah, saw. I actually said you're not necessarily favorite, but what you're most proud of. But I see, like I think, like Craig says, we're proud of all of our work at the time. But as mm-hmm. artists, we're going to keep moving on. But I think what I, as most makeup artists, will always talk about, we will always talk about our favorite makeups. Period in the industry, you know, and that's usually from the ones of the greats, ones that we've grown up with. Like I love some of the Freddy Krueger makeups from like from the third one, or I love like even uh, the second one. You know, I even love, uh, you know, Father Merrill or Marin. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, I can tell you the first one of my own that I ever looked at and said, oh, shit, I might actually have a career here. It was this movie called The Final Patient. I think it was 2004. Uh, one of the first big indie films I did that had, a you know, then realistic budget, reasonable budget of, of a, you know, million dollars, which at the time was the biggest thing I'd worked on. And did this old lady who had this, crazy fake medical issue where her skin just kept her, her bones just kept growing but i saw the dailies of it legitimate film dailies and i was like oh crap like that actually holds up like i'm looking at that and wondering who did it like this is the first makeup i've ever looked at and said oh a professional did that like i actually buy that on screen i'm not looking at this as some hokey ass you know silly indie flick gag like that actually looks like it's supposed to look and even though, you know, it was a crazy over-the-top makeup, it didn't distract from the story. Like, it looked like it was supposed to look, and you bought right into it. So that was the first time in my career I was like, okay, I, I might actually have something here. I might actually have a, a skill for this. Do you ever watch any of your old movies? Sometimes. It's, yeah. it's been a yeah. while now. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. I, I mean, put on one the other day, and I turned it right off. There's one like, every couple of years comes on cable. This time of year, especially around Halloween, called Blood Night. It's one of my favorite indie flicks of all time. You know, right. We showed that at the festival. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A buddy of mine, Frank Sabatella, just solid, solid budget. And Velocity Child and all those people, right? Who? Blood, Blood Knight? Blood Knight. Mary Hatchet. Yeah. Blood yeah. Knight, The Legend of Mary Hatchet. We just showed that. Solid indie yeah. uh, slasher flick. And we did some great stuff with practical effects and visual effects. And, it, you know, it's a silly movie, but it hold, if all you're looking for is blood and hits on late night Skinamax, it holds up well. And that, that's the one that I can still watch. And look at it, be like, yeah, we did all right with that one. You know, the idea is that 
we you know we, we came from a from a, a point in our careers and then we're at the point of careers that we have at this point at now that we have <laughs> and <laughs> the idea I know I really did I said point twice. At least I didn't say you know about a thousand times at this point in time. Do I say that? Uh, no, I, Father said that. I said that a lot, Merrill Merrin, whatever. Go ahead, Bill. <laughs> the idea is that, you know, um, I, you know, I think we're always proud of ourselves at the point to which we created it. Because our minds were in that at that time. I'm just point. proud. Of the now I'm like to say crack twice. Anyway, the idea is that we all know we started at a, at a certain place. We all know we started at a certain place. Mm. But as we grow and as we learn and as we do, fuck off, you crack. Hey man, but the idea. Stop scraping the goddamn bed. No, 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 shut up. He took my daughter's octopus and he turned it into a pac man goes, He's doing great. Go oh man, he's Craig. He fucking good. You're in the middle Anthony of a Anthony did a pop man. Uh, Pac Man. You're in the middle of a pop man. Sleeping on my couch. All right. Is he? Yeah, I think he is. Neil, next question. I'm going to go help somebody at 3 o'clock in the morning. So, you mentioned some makeup taking four hours to do and things like that. So um, when you're working, when you're putting on makeup on someone that takes so long, what do you do to make it comfortable for, for that person? And does and is any time someone very comfortable to work with? No, that's a good one. And, you know what? There's no way to get this. Yeah, that's just the nature of the business. Yeah. You know, throw on some Pandora What's station the long, that they like. Here's the question. What's the longest makeup you've ever done? Was it four hours? I would say about two, eight and a half hours. Holy that's shit. What's that? Eight and a half hours. They, way back when... Here we and go. roam the earth. Yeah. Strap in, um, I had to do a 13-piece prosthetic on an actor's face. It was 13 pieces. Hopefully on my face. And... <laughs> suck a dick. <laughs> um, and it took, it took that long because it was it was 13 pieces on their face. Oh, it, it now, included a ball cap, which... And the guy had lent his hair. That had to be put into the cap, and then there was a there was a, uh, a cap that had to be put on. It was the front of the cap. It was the back of the cap. It was a nose. It was cheek pieces, eyebrow pieces. Who made all the pieces? pieces? I made all the pieces. Oh, okay. So Crap. why did you make all those? Why did, did you have to blend them? Why did you make thirteen right. pieces? Because that's how it works. But Dick Smith did he not say the idea about making it into individual pieces? No, no, no. I want the ball of Coke. Coke cola. Coca-Cola, yeah. We've all stopped drinking because uh, we're responsible adults. Well, wait, yeah. I, I, I have to stop because I'm not responsible. So, you, why did you make 13 pieces? Because that's how it works. Sometimes that's what it calls for. Because that's what a lazy ass. As he said, that's what it calls for. You ever heard of a horseshoe? Done. <laughs> I'm going to say half for a second. Dude, I work in the evil eye. Um, no, the idea, but, but we're talking about 1987, 88. I'm with you, I'm with you. And you know, you know, when we talk about if we go back to Smith, the the concept of the idea about when years ago that makeups were just as one piece prosthetic, and Smith understood the fact that foam latex at the time would shrink about up to twenty to thirty percent mm-hmm. over, and he formulated the idea of making a multi piece prosthetic in order to to compensate for the for the shrinkage. So the I take the sense. 
the idea of the fact that making a multi-piece prosthetic would work better for this actor because he had to be a full face demon makeup. And not only that, but he also had to be submerged into water. In a foam like after working about 12 hours with hair uh-huh. and paint. Um, that was probably wow. the longest. Now, eventually, and it got to the point as we went through the uh, through it all, I got it down to about two and a half hours mm-hmm. because I would pre-paint all the pieces and get that oh, yeah, that's the, But the okay. first initial time, the first initial thought, well, it's, about, it's always the longest. Eight and a half hours. I mean, I've done eight-hour body paint, but the average body paint, like, shit, man, the one on elementary took longer than expected. Yeah, that's it. Well, I brought it. You know what, man? Not for nothing, but I brought it. I'm not going to. You know, you can edit this part. <laughs> we're live. No, we're live. But oh, well, then never mind. I'll talk about that after. <laughs> but I mean, I've had make like the longest prosthetic I've ever done was maybe like three hours. Yeah. I think yeah. I, I well, that burn we did that was about four hours. We we had a three a.m. call time. Like I've never had the pleasure of doing like you know an eight hour prosthetic makeup with like a no, team of people. Like I have an. I don't have a team. I just yeah. me. No, I mean no, no. I'm not saying like I've never like. When you would see like in the Hollywood like monsters like a shape of water or something like that. You know what I got? Oh, I got well, to buy him. But that's not body. Like, I've never done it. I like did that. a four and a half hour makeup with Bart Mixon, Tom Denier, and Benny Siki. We were I mean, it was just for a viral video, but we recreated Samara from the Ring um, using every step they used that Bart Mixon used in the films. Um, just for a silly viral video, but actually on Bonnie Morgan who played Samara, the actual actress. Yeah, yeah. and we did every step that they actually did. And I was just there for one day. Tom and Vinny, I think, were there for two or three days. Bart's done a couple of the sequels that was promoting uh, Rings, Rings Plural, with, uh, mm-hmm. a, a couple of years ago. But, like, that was... I, w- I was amazed at how intense that makeup actually turned out to be. Um, I think we spent four and a half hours, and even that was still just half her arms, full head, full neck, but half her legs, half her arms. And we spent a solid four and a half hours just layer after layer of paint and then prosthetic and then paint and that, that was uh, that was amazing. See, that's the thing that a lot of people may not understand, and I think that kind of comes from edited uh, stuff that's out there, you know, and things like this, where people don't quite understand the length of time and the length of effort that's put into certain makeups, you know, because they condense it down for the time slot that it's in. Yeah. That the idea that these makeups are not, uh, and I'm going to tell you a funny story. Years yeah, ago, I got a call. From, that. Yeah, I got a <laughs> story anyway. I'm telling Andy What time is it? But years ago, <laughs> I, 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 I got a call from a guy that said they wanted, you owe me money. they wanted me to do this makeup and they wanted to do something out of Mrs. Doubtfire mm-hmm. makeup. And they said, well, how long would that take? And I said, about maybe four and a half hours. And the guy goes, and this is legit. The guy goes, what? You know, in the movie, he just went in the bathroom and he came out wearing the makeup. And it's just like, I kind of was silent. I said, well, you know, that's condensed down to the movie. You understand? It's a goddamn that. movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not but, but, the but and crying at three a.m. The conceptual that idea is that this event. is what sometimes, as effects makeup artists, that have to apply multiple layers of prosthetics, that we have to deal with, is if you want to say, no, this is not stupidity. This is ignorance mm-hmm. of the fact that people ascertain what they get 
from what they see without ever doing the knowledge and the um, uh, studying the the what it really works to it. And when we come in and say, it's going to take four hours to do an application, they go, what are you talking about? It's just like, well, no. When you know, you're talking about that part, there was like thir- at least 13 or more application of pieces that applied to um, to him, to, to Robert Williams, to make the makeup. And there are tons of, you know, it, it, this is the thing that we get sometimes. Which brings you us know, nicely back to shows like Face Off, not to beat a dead horse. There we but, go. But legitimately, that's not to do with you. No, no, it gives the audience perception that these things can be done further. in the, the myth. That, oh, yeah. look, I could turn out a makeup. Jeremy and I both work, we all work in television now. Yeah. Television is predominantly in New York industry now. We don't have the luxury of turning out a makeup in six days and then building it. We have sometimes, Mike Harvey's notorious for turning out makeups the night, even Zakarian. With that tight, yeah, that, Louis that posts it all the time. Oh, I got called on Friday at two a.m. to have something ready for Saturday night. That's, Dude, did you see the video? With the ten second eyeshadow. Yeah, yeah. What the fuck? That was amazing. So, I mean, it's like we're in the industry now where it's like they, we don't have the luxury of churning anything out over a week or two weeks or three. We have to do it either the night before. God, or when or I have two know. weeks for makeup, I feel I like I'm on top of the world. It, like I can, I can relax. Early in this video, it's like sort of an East Coast West Coast sort of interpretation between the two like i think a lot of west coast are understood that they have to build things and they have, they know there's a length of time to which they have to build it right the east coast because of the television and because it's episodic you know we're talking 13 days maybe 12 days between my episodes. Shows, nine days nine days between yeah. episodes so the conceptual idea that you have to turn over makeup like i remember there's a makeup artist that we know called Stephen Kelly, and he had to not only do, as he was in the department head on a show called, a show called French. French. Oh, French. Uh, French. French, yeah. He had the one that French, broke him. Uh, and he had to, not only did he have to work on it, but he had to make things for the next episode. He was heading it, right? Uh, he was a department no, head. No, he had to make Kimberly. at it, but still he was the effects person that had to make it. And we're talking shows that were like nine days or 13 days. Episodic is quite different from a film where you have maybe three months, four months to kind of do everything. We're talking about an episodic that turned over an episode routinely after, if you had the luxury of 13 days, you said you have nine days. I have nine days. Um, so you're already prepping for the next episode within one or two days. Let me ask you, how do you do this? Well, the I, head I just showed you, yeah, the one yeah. I just showed you that I can't talk about because there's an air gap, but the head I just showed you, luckily, scheduled out because I'm department head and run the effects department. That's it was all on you. It was five days of me not needing to be on set. Yeah, but you actually actually even got a life cast for it, which in New York television is a rarity. Well, no, I demanded it. There was I no way I was sculpting a head of a guy. I can't tell you how many appliances I have to run generic because the person hasn't been cast. No, most, the of shows, the most of my show the episode airs. Most of my show exactly. Most of my show is flat mold transfers because that's all. I, I got a burn scar coming up. Flat mold. I mean, we're we're sitting here literally before we started. I was like minutes before we started. I was demolding a wine incision that we had our meeting on elementary on Thursday to say on Monday, I have to put three different actresses through Y incision makeup, which is a full upper body, full corpse makeup. I have to 
that. I have to run the pieces. I have to stitch the pieces. I have to get everything ready. And, you know, Thursday to Monday, that's, that's four whole days. But each piece is two hours running. So long as each piece fires perfectly as I run it, I was lucky enough that I went three for three. But, like, that's a lot of work. It in, is a lot of work. In, in just a short time. Also, I'm trying to have a life on the weekend, trying to make time for no fun things like this, like having a podcast, having an actual family with two kids. Like, this is a full seven-day-a-week job. I don't remember what the question was. I am sorry. <laughs> this train completely derailed. It just well, completely. I, Jeremy, and I are in the same boat. Jeremy and I are in the same boat where we're building effects, turning them out week by week. The catch is where, where my situation is. I'm also the department head of the show. So not only am I dealing with the effects aspect of it, I'm also doing budgeting, scheduling, staffing, and all the other bullshit that entails, and hoping to God my key is doing her job and making sure that the show is running okay while I'm not there. How much are you replying? How much do you uh, rely on your key to do this stuff? Well, the week that I had to build that. Well, give her a shout out. She deserves it. Amy Watford is my key. Oh, I didn't know she was key. Now I thought she was still third. I love Amy. No, well, Stephanie Wise is Oh, she key. had a baby. She had yeah. a baby, so I moved Amy up to the key. Damn babies. And uh, Amy Watford is amazing. If you ever get a chance to hire her, I did don't a- because she's mine. I did an indie movie called County Road K. Oh God! When my when my daughter was first born, so I guess that's nine years ago with Andy and I met her. She taught me how to do beauty makeup when I was applying yeah. for the union. I called. She came to my house. Great beauty makeup artist. Yeah, sir. and taught me all this great shit. And she was fun. And we dropped about a half gallon of blood on the, the on the floor of the set we were working on, which nice. was all carpeted. And so, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna bring that up. Yeah, yeah. No, but I, mean, I have to rely on my key a lot because I'm in this situation where I can't be on set and run the show. And if I go to my producers, I'm like, listen, you guys wrote this whole thing where I have to do this, you know, major effect. And they're like, well, you know what? Just bring more people in, Anthony. What can I tell you? They don't care. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't realize there's nobody available. Like right now, New York is so saturated. I can't bring people in that I can trust. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, it's amazing yeah, in New York right now. It is so, and New Jersey is just past its tax incentive, so it's getting busier and busier. It's great that everyone is working, even the shittiest amongst us is still working. Really, you know, every day good of the week. Craig. Good, good job, Craig. The shitty to the shittiest. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, we're all stressed pretty thick. Like, yeah, like I can't do any other shows right now. Earlier this year, I, I was designing for three or four different shows, designing the prosthetics for three or four busy shows. And so I was in the lab, you know, seven days a week, trying to also be on set as many days as I can, trying to get, you know, Craig, are you available this day? Anthony, can you play hooky from Blacklist to help me this day? This guy, can you come in? Just, it, it's, it's like trying to schedule a, a fucking military parade, like just pulling pieces from everywhere you possibly can, working 20 hours a day. It can be nuts. Yeah. But at the same time, yeah. that's the best you can hope for. Is he also on the phone? I don't know. Yeah, he's still there. Nice We've just been talking about what he's done for half an hour. He's going to whatever. No, it's good. It's good. I was just wondering, uh, does anyone ever complain or freak out when, when they're in the chair and you're doing makeup on them for hours? I've had that. I've had that twice in my career. Once was a legitimate allergic reaction to what? Uh, uh, to the alginate, that's how long ago that was that I was using alginate, not body double. That was actually the alginate is an impression material that makes a copy of that, someone's that skin. For those who don't know, that was the illustrious Tracy Lord. Made out of seaweed. Though. Yes, Tracy it Lord? is Tracy Lords for the film Crazy Eight. She was so she, fucking she cool. <laughs> she was amazing, and she had really sensitive skin. And we tried a couple buffer layers. 
but she still had a, a pretty intense reaction to the alginate. Um, and we had to pull her out of the cast, and I wound up having to do almost an entire sculpt of her head. Um, and then the other one I had was just a crazy claustrophobic woman who, unfortunately, the cast was necessary. Were you a full life cast? Yeah. Just a face? No, a full cast, and we wound up having to recast her. Yeah. She just couldn't handle it, and she had a full-on panic attack. And I felt so bad because the director was there for it, and I was like, I'm so sorry, but this is necessary, and if you can't do it, you can't do the role. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough thing. There's a lot of people who... I find out nine times out of ten when I have an actor come on to the show, and they say, oh, I have to take a life cast this person. Casting usually doesn't tell them, Yeah. oh, you're getting fitted for a scar or something like that. And they don't realize that it's a full head cast or something. The only time I've ever had, I've only had two people freak out in my career, and one of them was Method Man from Wu-Tang Clan. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to do a life cast on it. But the problem was, and I, I remember well, we were in this room where there's like a bunch of his entourage there, mm-hmm. and people and producers, and I'm literally doing uh, an algae life cast on him in the middle of the room, so everybody sees me from every angle. You totally can't not look at the guy covered in blue. Yeah. So he was a little like, you know, uh, you know, the, the atmosphere about him was like, I'm not doing this in front of everybody. And then the second time I had to do a life cast with Vincent Guastini from, uh, you know, VGP, VGPX, whatever it is. And uh, we life casted Jason Hughes from, uh, we went to Kevin Smith's office and they were making statues of uh, Kevin Smith and Jason Hughes for the comic book store in Red Bank. And Jason Mewes wasn't really up to par for the light cast. So those are the only times I've ever seen people freak out. I mean, most of the times that I find if anyone freaks out for a light cast, they're okay with the face, but when they get to the ears, really? I find that really? when most of I was the ears first. Because yeah, me too. I, I think that because the idea of the submersion idea of getting oh, what's the life cast is, definitely, is yeah. the idea because if you cut off because you know the, when you cut off all the senses to a certain degree, right. that's when like I had. Well, have you been life casted? I'm, oh, I'm totally been life casted. Have you never been life casted? I've been life casted no, five times, and I I, I personally times. don't have an issue with it. I'm in. Uh, I've had an, I, I had a life cast. Um, if you don't know what a life cast is for the audience out there. It's basically taking a mold of the person's face or head or head or well, anything. face or head or whatever you need to or do um, when we're in a, in a <laughs> thing. I think I've had too much of this fucking... You really should stop drinking a job. Um, <laughs> yeah, eventually, you got to leave. <laughs> yeah, I get to drive back to Long Island. You have but the idea, is, is the idea is the fact that you are submerging people into a material that's going to take a copy of their face. And some people are totally okay with it, and some people have issues with it. I remember having to do a life cast of a guy, a person of interest, that literally flew in from L.A., came to my shop, and had the, uh, had the life cast done, and he lost it. He couldn't take it. Yeah. He couldn't deal with it. And we had to take it off his face. And we always say, and I remember working with a bunch of people that say, I can't take it. I, it, it, it. It's nothing to do with their, it's just their thing. There's something about it no, that like they I, say I, I, they can't take it. Some people are because not you are completely submerged in a material that deadens their senses. It doesn't eliminate their senses. I mean, don't get me wrong, they can still breathe. Yeah. They can still breathe. Their hearing is muffled. They can't see. They obviously can't taste. And they can't feel anything because the impression material is so thick 
that when we go to touch them, I actually like instruct the actor as I'm doing. I'm like, okay, now I'm on your eyes. Now mm-hmm. I'm on your mouth. Now I'm on your head. Mm-hmm. So it's like they know where I'm coming. Right. You know, but they mm-hmm. lose all sense. It's basically going to your private cave. You know, well, but I'm intensely claustrophobic, which I think actually makes me a better life caster because I am always super sensitive. To the well, I think we should life cast him. No, I would for, for a couple of years now, Josh has been talking about doing an IMAX demo on me. On you. And I was, I'm totally game for it because I love the idea of the makeup part. I love but, the idea of you screaming and bloody murder. But yeah, I was always like, Josh, I'm <laughs> fucking claustrophobic. I don't know how we're going to get through the life cast. Like, here's what we're going to do. We're gonna just get your. We're gonna get your whole head as a cowl, like a Batman cowl, behind your face. Oh, just <laughs> and then just in quick, in like fifteen minutes, we're just gonna slap down your face, well, and you're gonna take whatever anxiety medicine you can take, and you're just gonna I power mean, through. I mean, and I'm gonna hold your I, hand. I, I remember for for Royal Pain, we had an actor that had uh, who didn't tell us he had claustrophobia issues mm-hmm. until we were doing her application. Oh, she never wow. acknowledged that. So we're doing her face That's and she says, uh, as we do, she goes, I'm going to let you know that I have troubles with that. Uh, clo- um, claustrophobia. claustrophobia. Yes. So we're doing her face and we're doing her face and we brought the <laughs> nurse in so we brought in listen the man's trying to do an interview here <laughs> so we brought in the nurse who held this woman's hand <laughs> I held her hand uh, my my buddy Keith Palmer came in and held her hand and, and, and spoke with her constantly saying hey everything's cool everything's okay and what we ended up doing, we did her face and the back of her down there. She had gone through a base, uh, a ball cap. We put her in a ball cap. Uh, and we just basically did a plaster bandage back of her cap. Yeah, that's all you need. Mm-hmm. You don't need skin. And, and we ended up, she ended up, you know, the strength to her. She went through it. All her anxiety, she went through it. And ironically, all we needed was about an eighth of her forehead, uh, of her so scalp and a little bit of Because we oh, did not we know. know. We did not know. Yeah. So I did a full head cast of this woman. And then they said, okay, so we're only going to need about yeah. maybe her See, that's, that's, back that's of her head. when the communication falls apart, when you need to know, like, who exactly. Well, this is when you put the, put the carpet on a donkey. Yeah. You know, taking a full head cast of somebody. Um, yes, Neil, go ahead. Actually, just uh, how long does that take the the life cast for it to set and take it off? Like how like how long? Does it I, honestly, I can bang out. Minutes, I can probably minutes. bang out a full head. So fifteen twenty minutes, half, half hour, half hour with full head. Wow, lots advantages. Well, you do both at the same time. I mean, if you want a good head, then maybe forty five minutes to an hour. But you know, peppy level. Yeah. I don't try to keep my actor <laughs> as a professional under the material for more than a half hour at a time. Uh, I have a life cast tomorrow. I'm doing just about a full body for a, a over-the-top muscle suit. He's lying. Nobody works on Sunday. <laughs> That's actually the only time I can get them in. Um, we've, we've scheduled three hours for a full head and shoulders and then a plaster bandage body shell. Yeah, it all depends on the part you're copying. If you're doing a head, you could probably bang out a head in about an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I usually schedule an hour with bald cap. I do an hour and a half with cleanup. Like, yeah, come hour, in, hour and a yeah, half. Yeah, bald cap, you got to prep, you got to tape them, the whole thing, tape them up. 
you know, I mean, the act, they're actually under the material for more than like 20 minutes. That's it. Yeah. I mean, the ball cap itself is that's half of it. Yeah. The ball cap now, takes the, a the thing that we want to also, it's interesting both people who are just starting out, don't, don't go by our numbers. No. Because we've been doing this for about yeah. 20 years experience yeah. and things like yeah. that. Take the time we know to how to kind of smooth it all. And don't do it by yourself. No. Always have a second set of hands. And don't try to life catch yourself with a pair of straws in a bowl. Although I'd like to say We all know someone that's tried I'm that. Sure. Oh, did you remember that video? There was a video, the French video about the people oh, that no, did the, the, the film? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. And the yeah. yeah, yeah, they, they have her head so, in the table. Yeah. yeah. You know, if, if, we, 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 if we could just diverge for a second, there's this crazy I think we've diverged enough. Yeah, We should move on to the next question. No, no, no. Craig, Craig is uh, Craig is practically kissing the table. <laughs> By the way, well, what are what what are you drinking? I'll see you at uh, Buffalo Joint Stone Festival. Oh shit! I'm gonna fall off my stool. <laughs> All right, yeah, go ahead. You're, you're what what are, what are you drinking? By the way, well, we are drinking Icebox Cinnamon Whiskey. A lot of whiskey. Revolution right. Pumpkin Spice Whiskey. I like that. Apache. Uh, single malt scotch, and I guess we left the whiskey and a bottle of coke. That's a yeah. whiskey and, and some some coke products for the fine folks at Coca Cola. Yeah, all right, very yeah. good. Yeah. So basically, a lot of whiskey and coke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's my, uh, he my mentioned uh, he mentioned Buffalo Film Festival coming up, and uh, my friend Jason, who's who's coming with me, he's driving in from Kentucky, and uh, he might be bringing some bourbon from Kentucky with him. So. Awesome. Did you say Buffalo Film Festival? Buffalo Film. The oh. Buffalo Dreams Film Festival. As in Buffalo, New York? Buffalo. Yes. No. What are the Buffalo do you fucking know? Buffalo is a fucking, I don't know. It says the Buffalo? animal, maybe. Are, are there any Buffaloes? Just a bunch of film. Maybe just a film festival about Buffalo. Buffalo. I got you. Right. Exactly. Yes, I'm, I'm going to be there. I think I told you that I'm going to be coming in on the Saturday to do uh, Saturday afternoon. Yeah, yeah. Do makeup. <laughs> <laughs> do makeup? Okay. No, no. But uh, so, oh. what what is like the most difficult um, technique for you guys? Is there anything like you you don't like to do? Oh, dealing with people. No, no. I mean, here's the thing. Okay, I to answer the first part of that question, the most difficult makeup to achieve, I would have to say, would be old age makeup, only oh. because old age makeup references are evident in society. You will see old people all day, every day. I can create a monster. Anybody can create a monster that's up to their imagination. It could be anything you want, and it could be the great, it could be whatever. Wounds, you know, you could add blood to it, you could do whatever you want. But an old age makeup, I would say, would be the hardest type of makeup to achieve, believably, because we all know what it looks like. We all know what it looks like. It's not like I'm pulling that's something true. out of my imagination. Old age makeup you see every day. We all know what it looks like. Because the idea behind it is that if we talk about, if we talk about um, something that's not, <laughs> damn, dude. But I'm talking about the idea about when you, when you, when you sort of create something that's off-worldly, that's off-worldly, that's uh, the idea uh, that's not based in a reality type of makeup. Yeah, even if we do wounds, you have a liberty with wounds where you could say like. Oh look, there's a scratch, and then you just add blood to it. And Plus, it becomes, yeah, if like, you're a pepper, you just coat it with blood. No one ever gets it. Whatever the idea is, because <laughs> whatever the <laughs> <cock> <laughs> on it. Yeah, whatever. Well, the, the idea behind it is 
that I think the I'm not most, doing a hospital show. I think the, the most <laughs> the most hardest makeups to do is something based on the fact that that are real. Mm-hmm. Um, because when you talk about a fantasy makeup, as Anthony talked about an alien or a creature or a monster, monster you can kind of take liberties with that because people will accept that, oh, that's just the way the thing looks like. But when you say, when you kind of say, all right, okay, I got to take this person and make them look still human, but make them look older or younger, or give them a nose to make them represent the person. Like, if, if they're creating a, a realistic person that exists in the world, mm-hmm. if they're playing a character that real, it's our, that's the hardest part. Because we have to make them look as close as we can to right. the real person. It's, it's an illusion. you got to create that illusion. About and we don't want to look like makeup. We don't want them, the people in the audience to go like, oh, that looks like makeup. The idea is, it's, it's, like I said before, if people just don't even think about it. I know it sounds weird when, as a makeup artist and someone who kind of, who kind of, kind of takes the idea. Holy shit. So, I apologize to everyone for Craig. The idea of all his wife and children. (laughs) Of the idea of when we're rolling up. This is awesome because as we're talking, Jeremy is still working. And I'm I'm sitting here rolling clay and Jeremy's slapping in. Because he's doing nothing. Jeremy's doing I got deadlines Monday morning. He's got deadlines. See this is this is Thank you, Vagina. This there's a thing vagina. So, but the idea is that if we're we're representing realistic characters, and the audience doesn't even think about that they are makeup. And we talked about this before. Even though we might say as makeup artists, hey, look at the fuck that I did. But the fact that the audience just kind of goes, Really? And we talked about the father uh, as the Father Merrill character before. Merrill. Merrill. Oh, <laughs> I said Merrill. Merrill. And Aaron. we talked about the Max von Sydow. Sydow. Oh, oh, boy. That guy that played the old priest in an episode. <laughs> um, oh, well, we talked about him, that the fact that none of us really acknowledged that he was in a makeup application. I never would have guessed it. You know, and most of that was that. Prosthetic. Was that it, like it, it, it sounds weird. And prosthetic. No, it was Those are prosthetic. <coughs> that the <coughs> that the idea that we should be like, oh shit, look at look at what I can do. I did this guy as the makeup, but the fact that the audience doesn't think about no, it. No, the idea, acknowledge I totally agree with you. Oh, the shit, idea they're like that guy was in makeup. Yeah, the idea is that, that makeup is cool. Makeup is part. Of the same thing is with with any kind of movie making, television making, anything like that. Part of the program is we're part of the machine. We're not we're not the machine. So if we do a makeup, it has to be part of it. The actor has to mow through it. Everything has to be part of it. If we make a makeup that stands out, then technically we're not really doing our job because you lose. You're you're not focusing on the acting. You're not focusing on the story. You're looking at the makeup. Even if you do like a swollen eye, which I just did last night. I do a swollen eye. If the swollen eye plays bigger than the actor, then no one's going to look at the actor. No one's going to listen to the fucking story. They're just going to be staring at the eye. 
Right. So it's mm-hmm. got to be a subtlety. It's got to be something that sits there. You're part of the equation. You not. You are not the equation. Well, the idea is that if the audience doesn't think about it, it's, I mean, like I said before, it sounds weird to say, but most people want the praise to what the work that they've done. When someone doesn't even raise a flag, then you why does not make a practice? You're right. It's a, a sense of the idea that we have made a makeup that most that someone that doesn't even know that's a makeup. That it just sounds move? weird that we no, have done right. something that people just kind of sit down, they eat the popcorn, they're drinking the Coca Cola, and they kind of go, okay. Until someone says, hey, listen, that's a makeup. Yeah. Like, I remember my, my cousin years ago saying, hey, Maxon's Seattle is in makeup. And I said, really? Really? Before wow. Before I accepted him as an older guy that was 40, was it 43? He was like he in his early 40s. He was in his 40s yeah. when he did that. Yeah. The fact that he was a 60, 70-year-old uh, And gentleman. if you watch Exorcist, I mean, I, I never would have guessed that. Dick Smith is known as the king of old age or the godfather of old yeah. age makeup because he did the best old age makeups. He fooled everybody. Like, mm-hmm. every makeup artist out there is always like, Rick Baker was known as the gorilla guy. And yeah. Tom Savini was known as the splatter guy. You know what I mean? So every makeup artist has their certain uh, style. I mean, I mean, it's the idea of when makeups don't become makeup. Yeah. Is when I think I don't we, want every I don't want anyone ever point out my makeup. Sort of say to ourselves, we achieved the idea that no one thinks it's a makeup. Yeah, it you don't, we, you don't want people to look at it and say, "Oh, until, look at that makeup." As you say before, that we right. post it on Instagram. Right. Look what I can do. So people go, "Really? That's a makeup?" Remember the the interview that you and I had a couple of weeks ago when I talked about the eye bags on a youth person that mm-hmm. I was like, no one talked about it, you well, know, that I said, oh shit, that's awesome because no one chatted about it. Are you actually working? It is, the man's working. Uh, Go ahead, Neil, working. Neil, next question before Craig keeps going on. <laughs> well, actually, I think, uh, I think, I think Craig probably needs to take a nap. Oh. Here, so. I want to, <laughs> I want to thank all three of you guys for coming oh, on. It's been a lot of fun. Hold on, hold on, dude. He's actually yeah. signing us off. Yeah, I think it's been two hours. I think it was a lot of fun. And I think uh, before Craig passes out, we should probably wrap it up. (laughs) (laughs) I had a great time. It was a lot of fun talking to the three of you. Thank you very much. much. Thank you for the time that you put in for us. Yeah, this was a blast. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Thank you all for coming. A little more coherent than Craig. You give us a call. Yeah, (laughs) you're. No, we do it again sometime. Thanks for setting it up. That was very cool. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. You're very good. All right. Okay. Is that bye bye. Bye bye. So long. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Bye. All right. Bye. Uh, <laughs> all right. Thanks, guys.
You're at the station of decapitation without your head. A big thanks to Craig Lindbergh, Jeremy Salenfriend, and Anthony Pepe. It was a lot of fun. And I'm still nasty Neil. And I think that would make me terrible, Troy. Yes, yeah. So we're here tonight. Uh, we're not going to do a long post show here because it's a Saturday night. But we had to come on to talk about a movie that that is uh, very polarizing. And, uh, one we both been looking forward to, and I think, you know, almost all the horror communities been looking forward to the new Halloween. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, this goes back once you first heard that they were doing the remake and Mm -hmm. I think both of us had the same initial response, kind of shrug your shoulders and ask why. Yeah. Well, our remake is a sequel to the first one. Oh, right, right, right. It's, uh, yeah, the remake of part two i guess right yeah it's a remake of part two or hall or h2o in a way right exactly yep yep 
But in H2O, doesn't the second one take place or doesn't it? Yeah, they skip everything but the first two. Oh, okay. All right. This one, they it's odd they skip two because two really is the very, just, you know, the continuation. But I guess they didn't want the, the uh, backstory of them being uh, brother and sister, which oh, I don't okay. really see how it would have made any difference in the, in the movie. No, it might have even, in this movie, I think it would have made a little more sense, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So when it, I was very excited. I thought all the trailers looked great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like, I like you know, almost all the Halloween movies, some better than others, but, and uh, so I went in, I thought the trailer looked awesome, and right away, I was not really sure about it. It uh, pretty much uh, about the same time, I think Troy and I turned to each other and was like, we didn't dislike it, but we weren't into it. And then I think it slowly went into uh, the dislike <laughs> territory. Yeah, because that was, what, about 45 minutes in, I think. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I'm just not feeling it. I don't hate it, but uh, I'm not in love with it either, you know? Yeah. And I think a lot of, like, not wanting to, not hate, not disliking it was because we both wanted to like it so much. But I <laughs> think really, there's really nothing I really, there's not very little that I liked about it. Oh, yeah. I mean, right from the get-go, like, um, I the characters, um, you know, you meet the, the British, I, I don't know if they were a couple or if they were just friends that happened to do... Well, it was very strange what together. they did because they talk about doing exposés, but then they say that it's like a podcast and they don't really want to say it's a podcast, but it's like, how did they afford to come from England to here and just dole out, you know, there'll be spoilers in this review and oh, just yeah. dole out, uh, you know, uh, thousands, thousands of, of dollars. dollars yeah. Like, Hey, we do a podcast here. And, uh, you know, I did go to England, but I wasn't passing out, you know, three grand. <laughs> you didn't bribe anybody. You didn't no. bribe, bribe Tim dry to like talk to you. No, so it was very, that, that whole part was odd. It was almost like they tried to shoehorn podcast in there to, cause that's like a cool thing now. Yeah, that's true. You're right. You're right. That was, there was a lot of like weird little afterthought things that they just kind of threw in that weren't needed or why can't they just be reporters <laughs> right you know we're doing a piece because it's a 40-year thing and you know yeah. and they're moving michael so you know it's a big deal i don't yeah and the characters well the woman was just blah she never really had any personality no and the guy just seemed like a jackass i didn't like so, it away it was like like so like intense and yeah like we saw it in the trailer you just see a second of it and and it works but when like the when you watch a movie and he's at and i i just don't i'm really fixating the podcasting so i don't get it like because how, how would would like people just give away this because then they get the mask from like the the Department of Corrections. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, so these were very important like podcasters, the... man. <laughs> yeah. No, like, like I said, if they were a show, maybe they they gave someone a bunch of money for it, or they might be likely to to loan out the mask if it's for like a television program. Mm. Yeah, if it's for sixty minutes, that's one thing. But you know, if you're if you're going and you're like, hey, I, I need um, uh. Gacy's like clown mask because I'm gonna do a podcast. I just gotta borrow it for a couple of weeks, but I'll bring <laughs> yeah. it back. I doubt they're gonna say, "Oh yeah, sure, here you go, chief." 
Yeah. You know, we had an evidence, but you know, we trust you. You you look like a trustworthy guy. Yeah, I don't think we can just walk in and be, hey, it's Halloween. We need this for the you know the station of decapitation for Halloween <laughs> yeah, month. Right, yeah. right. Like, go yeah, sure, go ahead. Yeah. So maybe people think that's nitpicking or whatever, but it, it was just it's so much stuff adds up. Plus oh, yeah. those aren't the only bad ca- like I don't think there's a good character in the movie. Uh there's one. There's one. Uh huh. So and you kid. see him, yeah, you see him for <laughs> what a minute or two. Yeah, and the he's thing the only is, kid that isn't annoying. The only yeah. character that isn't yeah. annoying. The thing is, he's funny and very likable. At the same time, it is kind of out of place in the movie because it's during like this that should be like a you know a scary part. Oh and yeah, it's really over the top. Not and it kind of takes you out of even one of the two scary parts in the entire movie. Yeah, because it's like he's—it's almost like a sitcom kid. Yeah, and, uh, and, and nothing it gets because I do think he does a good job, and, he, and oh, his yeah. lines are funny. But it's very out of place. It's a misplaced comic relief because you don't want comic relief in an actual like tense, you know, potentially scary if you if you never saw the trailer yeah. uh, moment in the movie. And and that that moment even like you know it it's he's being funny right when like horrible things are happening. Yeah, it's very odd. Yeah, and uh, I think like I really hated all the characters. Like I don't hate that kid. <laughs> yeah, I think when I really thought like, man, the writing in this is bad. Is it is. The, is the dad character right away when he like he drops? He's 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 got like a. Uh, a a bazillion uh, mouse traps, which I guess is foreshadowing to catching Michael Myers. Oh yeah, you know. But uh, and he's putting peanut butter, and he drops peanut butter, and he's like, "I got peanut butter on my penis." And I was like, "What kind of? That's just a bizarre line." <laughs> oh yeah, yep. Like his his daughter's there. It's like teenage daughter. And he's talking about his penis, and it's just very bizarre. I don't think anyone be like, "I dropped peanut butter on my penis." No, that's just not, so, you know, maybe you'd say you dropped it on your pants or something. Yeah, or even your dick, like if you yeah. were like this kind of crotch, you know, something, something like goofy. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that was a weird one. Well, and then you meet the, no, maybe the single most annoying character right when the podcasters get to the, uh, the mental health place. <laughs> yes. And that's the new Dr. Loomis. Yeah, he's the worst. He's the Italiano Loomis, whose accent kind of gets heavy and then disappears and then comes Uh back. And he's like, I'm a Michael Myers uh, doctor. (laughs) I I haven't been watching him for 20 years. Uh, It was like Borat or something. Yeah, it should have been Sasha Baron Cohen, you know? Uh And it, and his character, like at that time, like I didn't think too much of. It. I was like, oh, it's kind of. Over you thought the he was a throwaway guy at that point. Yeah, but when he's like uh, later on in the movie, oh my oh. lord, he's he's laughably bad. He's like yeah, a he is. like he really if is. this was like a real campy movie, maybe I would like just laugh how bad the character is. But it, you know, it's supposed to be like a, a serious horror movie, and this guy's just oh my god, he's so bad. Yeah, he's he's just a dildo, and then Michael's like chained down in a in a courtyard with a bunch of other guys chained to like i don't know were they chained to like anvils or something i yeah it's like i didn't get it like See, i didn't make a lot of sense I, I thought, within the yellow line and it's like when my like they were like sensing myers as a emo- so myers shows no emotion 
So it was almost like they were his emotion, which I thought was going to go somewhere. There's so many things that go nowhere in the movie. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I'm thinking, well, there's they're all going crazy now, and Myers is just, you know, stone face. Yeah, well, all the other inmates, and and this guy pulls out the mask like like Dracula is there, and he's got like the cross or something. Uh, it's like Medusa's head, and uh, yeah, and the- oh, it is because he's holding it above his head, and he's like, yeah. Michael, look at this. <laughs> Like Clash of the Titans, the end when the, he's got the, the you know the Medusa's head to the Kraken. Yep. And Michael doesn't move; he's just standing there like a little old man, and he doesn't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. So and all the other the... inmates are going berserk. Yeah. So I thought, well, maybe this is going to go somewhere. Maybe this kind of need he's maybe there's some type of uh, telepathy where he can control the you know the, the madness of these other. But it's nothing. It's just yeah. Matter. And even the dogs bark and everybody. Well, probably because the, the the podcast guy is just a jackass and he's screaming <laughs> at the top of his lungs. Uh, you know, in this in this place with all these like emotionally disturbed inmates. Uh, if no one can like get close to him because he's not allowed to get close, how do they get him out there? It's a good question because you only see like a couple of guards every now and then. Yeah, and then there's this whole this is. This whole thing, right then too, is like he he can talk, but he 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 refuses to whatever. Which first of all, how does he even know that if he hasn't right. talked? Maybe, maybe he lost his speech. How does he know he can talk if he's never has talked in forty years? Mm, but uh, he knows he can. Yeah. So so anyway, so it's like oh okay, so this must be going somewhere. Why would you even bring it up? And then it's you know later on in the movie, it's like come on and talk, you know, say something, and then then. That's not. It's a totally pointless plot 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 point. <laughs> there's is. no payoff. There's, yeah. Well, no, they use it pointless. as that little bit of a plot device when when the granddaughter is like, "Well, he talked to me. Oh yes, tell me what what he said." But so you think there's a payoff that he? I figured at the end when he's burning up. Spoiler. That he'll, <laughs> he, you know, he must say something, but he doesn't. So I was like, no. well, what's, "Why bring it up for?" And the only reason, because once I thought about this movie, He's never after I watched this whole thing, I think I know why everybody had these accents. I think, like, one of the, well, because what were there, three or four screenwriters? Yeah, yeah. One of them must have been a big, like, Looney Tunes fan and just wanted, <laughs> like, you know, hey, I want, like, you know, can somebody get, like, a French accent? And he can be, you know, like... uh uh, Pepe Le Pew, and we can, you know, get this Italian guy, and we get these British people, and like, oh no, don't do that. Uh, yeah, I, I um, I gotta say too about the trailer. I think the trailer is uh, hurts the movie because I don't think the movie. I'd like the movie anyway, but the few like things I did think are like uh, cool visuals, kind of speaking mm. visual. You see in the trailer, and it immediately ruins the scene. So yep. it's like as soon as she, as soon as the girl goes in the the kids like you know something's in my room. I know exactly what's gonna happen because I saw it in the trailer. <laughs> right, exactly. Yep. And there was there was a few things like that. Uh, I can't oh, remember. that was uh, one of them when the guy has the mask and right, the yeah, dogs uh, barking. And uh, at that point, you think maybe that's his doctor or something. You know, like that's the new Loomis, and he's trying to get a reaction out of Michael. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, then you find out it's just some jackass reporter, dude. And it's like, okay, whatever. Yeah. And you, and you saw, you know, Myers reach grabbing through the house and grabbing Lori Strode. I mean, all, all yep. like the, anything kind of interesting you saw. 
Or like when he drops the teeth over the bathroom stall, you see that yep. in the act. Mm-hmm. So, and then there's this bizarre Marshall character that pops up with a cowboy <laughs> hat, and I swear he's supposed to be Creighton Duke from uh, from Jason Goes to Hell. Maybe I, I assume that's who he's supposed to be. A very, you know, and again, a very over the top campy character. Mm. And it, there's no, purpose. yeah, no purpose, no payoff. In fact, he just disappears in the movie and he's never seen again. It was like, why was the point of that guy? Yep. No, that, like so much of this movie, it had no point. Yeah. All the kids were assholes. All the boys were kind of racist. <laughs> yeah. Yep. They were all, all like, you couldn't really tell if they were gay or not. And like, everybody had this like just metrosexual vibe that like nobody was like you know at least when you have you know the setup where all right this is the jock kid this is you know the fat kid this is the stoner kid this is it all these kids were like a blend of all those characters yeah i honestly thought the two her boyfriend and the the other guy were were gay yeah, the foggy I, Nelson looking and, guy. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, oh, well, they have a gay, you know, a gay couple. You try to be yeah. topical. Or, That's fine. I don't care. Oh yeah. And then, matter, uh, and then later on, like their boy, they're they're you know a couple, like the the key, the one guy. And then so I still assume the other guy was gay. Yep. But he isn't it either because then he starts you know trying to. He's macking on the granddaughter. Yeah, and why does that scene have to? Why do they have to make him be like this real like creep? Why couldn't he just like <laughs> just you know, be her buddy? Some, yeah. yeah, or think there is something more, and, and then she just says no. But they kind of make it these like this real creepy dude, and then even his ex, his excuse like oh I got all horny. I'm like now he's just this unlikable guy. I know. Well, I guess maybe that's to cushion the blow when they kill him off. Yeah, but I think that's a terrible idea. Oh, it's, it is. It's it's stupid. You know the original one, like you, all the characters are are, are nice. So like yeah. you know, they you know they're realistic. But yeah. so then when yeah. they die, like you feel bad. Like I don't yeah. care about any people dying. Well, that was part of the problem of this movie too. Like I wasn't sympathetic to any of the characters. Mm-hmm. You know, the only one that I would have given a shit about if they killed off was the little kid that they were yeah. babysitting. Like yeah. you know, and and. <laughs> the rest of them, I couldn't care less about any of them. Yeah. He did kill the other kid that you only see briefly, which was kind of weird. It was almost like, oh, we're real, you know, this word, you were a horror movie, we're killing a little kid. But then you have the other kid later on that's like this comic relief, and it's a real bizarre contrast. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, because, right, when the first kid, like when he smashes his head against a wall, uh, yeah. the car window, although you don't really know if he even kills him. I think, I think it's. Meant to be, he's dead because then he kind of does the. Ugh. Oh, okay. That is, he's taking his last breath. <laughs> it's 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 weird because they want to stay original to the original movie, which isn't gory, mm-hmm. but then they also are very brutal, and yeah. it's a weird mix because it's brutal but not gory, and they cut away a lot. And I oh, just yeah. think that I just made it. I, to me, it just made all the death scenes very bland. It did, and then some of the ones that you didn't see, like when the kid, the the um, babysitter's boyfriend, when he stuck to the wall, you just see him in passing, uh-huh. you know, and you you had no idea, you know, you you assumed he got killed, but you didn't know, you know, until you saw him stuck to the wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. And, 
Well, and Michael's I'm, is clumsy ass too. Like, you know, suddenly he teleports around and just shows up behind somebody. Uh, and then in other scenes, he just falls down for no reason. He swings his <laughs> knife wildly and just falls uh, down. Yeah. And then, you know, the first movie, like, you don't, I think it's kind of like he drives somewhere. Cause then he in a car, I forget. I thought, but I think he does. This one, they don't show him ever drive, but he has to like, he has to be like, tra- you know, transported places. Right. Right. He, he, he travels long distances. Yeah. Yep. From the inst well, wherever they had the accident from the plot device, we're closing sure. the Institute or whatever. And we got to send everybody on the bus. Cause at first I thought they were just sending him the way they were talking, uh-huh. but then, you know, all the inmates are on the bus. Mm-hmm. And then so the, the doctor gets shot. He's like, don't the shoot. Then he gets shot. <laughs> yep. And so big spoiler here. He's he's revealed as like um, a crazy doctor, I guess, who's who wants. Well, first of all, before that, it makes no sense because he's just like, don't hurt the patient. Don't kill him. And he's like this crazy guy that's going around murdering the town. But don't hurt him. And you know this. Uh, you know, he's in the property of the state. You cannot <laughs> hurt the Michael. So I guess that it makes sense because he's the evil doctor trying to, I don't yeah. really even know what the hell he's trying to do with them. Yeah. But what, that what his end game is like, he never even tells, you know, like you'd expect him to be, you know, give you some reason why he wants Michael <laughs> kept alive. Yeah, so he's this old man with one, one arm, but yet he can drag Michael Myers into the back of a back of a truck, which I'm not exactly sure how that was possible. Yeah, but I again, maybe that's nitpicking. But that whole scene where he turns evil and he puts the mask on—it's very bad. Oh, it is, and he's got this goofy, like, um, extendable, like, exacto knife thing. I guess <laughs> yeah. a scalpel on like this little, uh-huh. you know, like zip out, uh, almost like a, like a, <laughs> it's like a pen opener or something, <laughs> yeah. like a, an envelope opener. Yeah, and he stabs the useless cop with that. And yeah, what a loser he was. Like, yeah, uh, all the characters just like. I, that, I think my biggest problem with the entire movie were, like, all the characters were just so annoying. Yeah, I honestly don't like any of them, even Laurie Strode. Like, <laughs> no, no. I mean, she's she was, she's right out of the Terminator movies. She was, she was. Only they yeah. do much better, it's much better in the Terminator movies. Yep, yeah, she was Sarah Connor's grandmother, you know, like, uh, got 8,000 guns and everything at her house, and... But then one second she's agoraphobic, and then the next second, you know, she shows up and, like, you know, uh, she hasn't left her house in 20 years, except for when she does. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I guess that's all right. And then the house, like, so it's got like a bazillion spotlights on the outside. But not, no lights at all on the inside. <laughs> yeah, it's like, no. maybe you want to light up the, the house so you can find, you know, when when you get the guy in here. Yeah, when he teleports inside, you know, and <laughs> does his Pepe Le Pew, like, falling over his own feet, and then suddenly, boof, he's over your shoulder. <laughs> so that, there's, that's probably the build tension, but I thought it was, like, the most boring chase scene ever, where yep. she's walking around the house, like, in each room, and then locks it off. I'm like, good God, just find him already. I know. And so in this, this like, super deluxe, 
you know, um, end of the world is coming, zombie apocalypse. I've got to have the house so that a tank can't hurt this thing. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to have all these, like, fold-out closets, like, uh, you know, <laughs> every other house that Michael's ever been in and he hides in all the time. <laughs> right. You know, that that makes perfectly good sense. And Why I'm going to have those closets in every room, just in case, I'm, you know, I have to build some tension later on. Why even go in the rooms when you can seal them off? Why not just seal off every room? Oh, yeah. Because then you would be locked in the room. <laughs> yeah, when you get the super deluxe, like, bomb shelter basement thing with the secret button you push and it slides open and all this other nonsense. Yeah, because after every room she checked out, it wasn't in there. She sealed it off. If you can do that, why don't you just seal off all the rooms and then go around and... Look in, and you'll finally you'll find them, and then yeah. you'd be stuck in there, or just blow up the house like you do anyway. <laughs> yeah, or just wait because you got an arsenal. <laughs> I'm gonna wait with my seven thousand guns. I got four people at this point in time before they all start <laughs> doing stupid shit. Yeah, like you know, I, everybody grab like an assault rifle, and when you see this stupid bastard, we're all gonna shoot him. <laughs> so yeah, so then they of course he's in the room with all the mannequins. Yeah, you know, I guess she has the mannequins for for bullet practice, but it's very odd that she just has this room filled with mannequins. Oh yeah, because you wouldn't have that outside or anything. No, and if uh, if you're and if you're friggin' spooked for forty years from what happened to your kid, <laughs> would you have a room filled with, with creepy mannequins? Yeah, I don't think so. I think you know, like some some uh, you know some stuff on your wall, like some, yeah, some flowers, bullseyes or something, would be fine. Yeah. So then, uh, and you know what? They established that there's a, the underground bunker. Okay, so we get the shot of you hit the button and the and the and the, the banister moves, and then you can go down. All right, you see it once. That's okay. And then you also see the established shots that you hit once you go in there. It's a button, and you can close it. You don't need to see it twelve times. Yeah. True. I got so sick of seeing that move, like, oh, we're going down again. Oh, we're yeah. coming back up. Like, we know, we know. It's like, you don't have to show someone open a door over and over. And over. Yeah. Like, you know they're going in a room. We kind of figured that one out. Yep. Just take the night, next scene from, you know, we're in the basement. I'm showing you my guns. That's cool. Oh, uh-huh. uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's just a bad movie. Yeah, so a bunch of bullshit happens. Like, you know, the bus flips over for whatever reason all the inmates are walking around and michael gets away and this strange hunting kid shoots um the evil doctor uh-huh. and he's a hunter but he just starts shooting <laughs> yeah. with his gun but the um the, so the, and also for for no real reason just i guess so she just runs out of the prom or whatever the dance her boyfriend's like cheating on her for some reason. Yeah. And then there's, then there's no pay. Then you never see him again. You know, yeah, he doesn't get gone. killed. He, he has to yep. show up to try to help. That's it. It's just, I guess to get rid of her cell phone. Cause he throws the cell phone and like pudding. Yeah. So and, she and doesn't have her cell phone, which was like the big to do. Yeah. So it's like, man, if anyone's supposed to get killed, you kill off that kid. Cause now he cheated on her. It's like, all right, well, we want to see him get killed. Yeah. yeah. Get killed. No, you just never even see him again. You get like the, 
the guy that's sympathetic to her that turns out to, you know, has his creepy scene and <laughs> yeah. oh, Christ, it just it's was just annoying shit, as hell. Yeah, yeah. No one's good in it. No, and then and not even Michael. Like he didn't do any of the cool like Michael Myers stuff. Maybe a couple of times. Yeah, he sits up once. Yeah. But I really he just think the swings whole- wildly and falls over his own feet. And luckily for him, like the stupid babysitter trips and like the four drops of blood on the floor and falls down so he can go over and stab her. Yeah. Yeah, there's no like what was the point of the movie? Like, why even do a new movie? The point <laughs> I, was that you just, just to see Michael Myers walk around again. Yeah. Like, okay. You know, there's nothing to say. This movie has nothing to say. And then there's a lot like of nothing open and no, up the... Nothing uh, no, nothing, nothing original. The, and then, like, the other thing with the... We're going to foreshadow to death along with the opening and closing of the the stairs going down mm-hmm. is that, you know, well, you think this house is, is a prison. Well, you think this house is a prison. And I think, you know, Grandma Strode says this 14 times uh, uh. during the course of the thing. So then... At the end, you get the big, stupid, chase everybody around, start killing people except for the grandmother, the daughter, and the granddaughter. They're the only three alive with Michael at the end. Yeah. And that's a big reveal, Neil. Yeah. So so he gets down into the basement, and it's revealed that that, the basement itself, see, it's not a trap for for them. It's a trap for Michael Myers. Yeah, it's because, not a prison. Uh, it's, no, a it's a trap. Yes, yes. It's, it's a like wild E. Coyote acne fucking trap that house. It's like all these like spears stick out, make like a barrier, <laughs> and and, and eight thousand different little things like start pouring gas into the house. <laughs> yeah, because why couldn't we? Why why didn't you just seal off the basement and burn them up there? It's like burns. So if if you did have this made to burn up the whole house, like I said before. Why don't you just seal off all the rooms and then just blow it up? Yeah, jump outside and blow it up, yeah, right? Like, well, he's in the room. He ain't getting out. Make some windows that can't break. Like, yeah. that's, that, that's going to be easier than putting in, you know, like, uh, flamethrowers all in your house. Oh, yeah. I wonder what the gas company thought when, you know, like, they heard that <laughs> one. Well, I want you to put these ducks in, into, like, you know, 40 different places in my house to pump uh, natural gas into the house. <laughs> Well, why would you want that? Uh, don't worry about it. Just in case. Uh, okay. And then I need a bunch of pilot lights that are going to light just everything on fire. Uh, okay, ma'am, if that's what you're looking for. All right. Uh, sure. Yeah. Good luck getting insurance on that house, honey. And there was a lot of like, um, like a lot of hints that Lori Strode was like the new Michael Mai, like, th- so she's outside the the school looking in the window. It's like a scene out of the first Halloween. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, there's the big scene where she, f- she falls out the window and then Myers, Michael Myers looks down and she's, she's gone like the end of Halloween. So, but then that goes nowhere. That was, yeah. <laughs> you think like that's going somewhere where she's now going to become, you know, the killer or something, but yeah, it doesn't go anywhere. It's just kind of no. pointless. And then uh, I never really, not only did I not care about the characters, I I never really felt a lot of, like, distress during the things. There were no 
I, maybe it's because I had no emotional attachment to anybody. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's a big part of it. But it just like I never, never felt any tension in the movie. Me I neither. Just, like you know, I, 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 I saw people waiting for it. Yeah, I think that's where you're supposed to feel at the end there, but I didn't feel that at all. Nah, I think a lot either. of this, you know, what's going to happen. Mm. Uh, you know, even that doctor, stupid as it was, like maybe you could have done something with that idea, like have a doctor that becomes obsessed with them and tries to help them in some way. Yeah. But the, but the the way it's done is just ludicrous. <laughs> right. Well, at least it would have been maybe some kind of original idea to do. Yeah, that's true. No, this. Uh... You know, because I, I don't know. I heard people saying that it was, you know, better than the zombie one. But at least zombies had a, a different take on it, and it was yeah, I, brutal and violent. I'm not a big fan of that, but I think it's a much better movie. Yeah, this one was just so blah. I thought I just I didn't like anything about this movie. Yeah, I think uh, besides the the Rob Zombies two. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and that I think it's called I think it's Resurrection. It was the sequel to H two O, where the rap, where the 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 rappers beating up Michael Myers. I think besides I those, remember I, that one. It's pretty bad. I think besides those two, this is my least favorite. Yeah, me too. And and for one that I I had like my my hopes were so high for this one. Like after seeing the trailers and stuff, I was like, oh man, this is going to be so good. Yeah, and it wasn't. It was oh, just like that, they that. mailed it in. It just didn't seem like anybody put any effort into this movie. Yeah, and there was so much hype. Yeah. And like, I don't, it's like besides just having Michael Myers walk around and it's cool to see Michael Myers, I don't really, I don't see any point to the movie. No, Which, no, it's like, not like they had any real story to tell. It was just kind of because it seemed thrown together, the story yeah. itself. Yeah, it's very, uh, things. As things start and end with no payoff. And, yeah. Uh, it's weird because Danny McBride, you know, was involved. And I think the comedy's all terrible, except for that, that one kid's funny. Yeah. Yep. Like, you know, I dropped peanut butter on my penis. And that's just stupid. <laughs> yeah. I didn't think, like, and everybody was worried there was going to be too much comedy in it. Uh-huh. But there wasn't really, there wasn't any real comedy. There wasn't any real drama. There wasn't any real suspense. It was just such a wasted movie, I thought. Like, yeah, I think it's, it, it was I, a half-ass movie. I, I saw people, you know, saying like, oh, it's got Michael Myers in it. That's good for me. It's like, eh, it's not good enough for me. It's like, yeah, oh. you make it Halloween besides part three. It's probably got Michael Myers in it. Why not do something <laughs> good? Yeah. Yep. I don't want to. I mean, that's neat. There's Michael Myers, but I, I like a movie that's like somewhat entertaining. Right, right. That's you know at least gonna like progress the story a little bit. This this reminded me. It really did of one of those like just half-assed remakes of like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where they just made it, you know, just to show Leatherface and yeah. say, okay, look, yeah. there you got there Leatherface. Uh-huh. You know, forget about the lack of story and that you don't care about any of the characters. Yeah, it was just a real, like, I was just like a typical slasher, but I think just even as a, as like a a horror movie, I, I didn't think it was good. Like, the kills right. aren't aren't very good. I mean, they're not, they're not like uh, interesting or no. new or just, you know, he just stabs the people and it's like, oh, okay. 
Yeah, you most of the time you don't even see anything, you know. It's like just kind of taken for granted that he killed this person. Mm-hmm. And if you cared about the people, then it would be, you know, but really it's it's set up just to, to watch him kill people you don't care about. So if you're going to do that, like, you have to have the kills, like, somewhat exciting. Right, right. Like, at least, you know, with as much flack as it got, the uh, the remake of Friday the 13th, at least, like... The kills were all entertaining. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you didn't see anything new that you didn't, you know, that you hadn't yeah, seen was, the yeah. others. But at least, you know, it was like a, a fresh take on the character. You know, like he was a lot more energetic and, mm-hmm. you know, he was like just butchering people in that. And this one was just this old man wandering around stabbing some people every now and then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I didn't like. I'm I'm really shocked. There's a lot of people love are loving it. Yeah, I wanted to. I I really. I did. And I, I gave it the benefit of the doubt after the first half an hour, and I was pretty bored. I was like, ah, maybe it'll pick up. Maybe you know something. But no, it just got worse. Yeah, that wants a doctor. Oh, by the way, when he kills the doctor, I I just lost it and was laughing my ass off in the theater. <laughs> He just he stomps on the man's head and it just squashes like a like a like a watermelon. Yeah, yep. Like, oh my! They did that in Cell Block uh, ninety. So was it? Uh, I don't know something in Cell Block ninety nine, which is a really good movie. But it worked in that because it was like this weird stylized movie. But this was just ridiculous that a man's <laughs> head just explodes when he stomps on it. Yeah. Yeah, I just uh, I didn't I didn't understand the the point of this movie. No. Whatever it was they were trying to do was lost on me. Yeah, and you know they're going to do another one. I mean, they've already announced it, but it's so obvious at the end of the movie. He's just like oh, yeah. standing there in flames, but you don't see him burn up. And it's like, yeah. wow, gee, this is just like, you know, you know he's going to come back. Yeah, he's going to teleport out of there. Cause... You know, the next one will it'll open up and there's no body found. And I'm like, whoa, yeah. shocker. Yep. Like, wow. Huh, how about that? <laughs> no, I was just like, I was so underwhelmed by this movie. Mm-hmm. It just like, it's lack of, of anything for me. Like, just. It was really nothing I liked about it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, because at least some things you can go back and say, well, I kind of appreciate that they tried to do this. You're like in the, the remake of, um, Oh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, I didn't think it was successful, but at least yeah, they tried something a little different. Yeah, I didn't I didn't like it. I do like the idea because I do think the first movie, even before now they admit it, whatever, it is There's a, that, that Freddy is a child molester. Mm. And so to do that, I think is ballsy, but they kind of half-ass it and... Yeah, it's not a very well-made movie either. Right. Plus, right. I I do think doing that now is strange. After became like a beloved like killer. Oh yeah, because yeah. you have no like we've talked and, about it before. Yeah. yeah, but at least you, they did try to do something different. Right, and I like the whole swerve where uh, for a while you didn't think, well, geez, maybe they killed this the poor guy. Man. Yeah, and he's coming Which, back for revenge now yeah. because he didn't do anything. And I thought that was a cool take. 
I really th- thought they missed the boat not doing that because yeah. it even would make sense why he comes back because oh, he's yeah. coming back for revenge. Yeah, you know, otherwise, why does he come there. back? He's just like this asshole. <laughs> I know he's a douchebag <laughs> and he's coming back. Well, fuck you. You don't. You shouldn't come back. Yeah, I guess it's good there is no reason in a way, but you do think like, well, what? Why? Why does this whole come back? I mean, right. But at least in that, they tried something different. You know, in this, it's nothing different at all. This is Uh, all rehashed stuff you've seen over and over again. Yeah. Like the Rob Zombie one. You've seen it better. Yeah. The Rob Zombie one to me kind of misses the point of of why Michael Myers is creepy. And I don't like that they change it, but I do like the fact that he did change. He did try to do something. To me, it doesn't quite work. I don't think it's a bad movie. Right. I just don't think it's, it's a, I think it misses a lot of the point of the first movie, but he did try something different. So I, you know, see, I, 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 I like that. it because of its differences too. Like, cause I love both movies. I really do. I, I, I obviously love the first Halloween, but like, I love just the, it's just a crazy fucking, you know, screaming, slashing movie that, that zombie one. And I, yeah, I stuff I don't like that, about it, but, yeah, but no, I do I like that he can try that. something. Yeah, but I yeah. do like that. At least, you know, if you're going to make something, I know this isn't a remake, it's a sequel, but if you're going to do like a, a new updated version of a movie, uh, you got to either make it better than the first one or make right. it really different. And I, I don't think this is. Yeah, if you tried and failed, anyway. I'll give you way more props <laughs> than like just doing what they did with this movie. Yeah, it was just the point. It was just honestly just to get Michael Myers on screen. Yeah. Yeah, so shame on these people just with their money grab. Uh, yeah, movie. it's made a fortune, and there are people who love it. So, you know, sometimes I can understand why people love stuff. This one I don't get. I don't know why anyone's loving it. <laughs> no, me either. Yeah, and I'm the same way. Like, you know, even if it's something I don't dig myself. Yeah, I can understand. Like, okay, you know, like I, I can understand why somebody would like this, but this movie I just don't get. No, but people are welcome if they want to like tell us why they liked it, or you know, I'll listen to somebody's take on it. But yeah, I just think they're dumb. But. Yeah, maybe that's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know, I know the headless critic. Uh, he liked it a lot better than us. I don't think he's used it yet, but oh, okay, yeah, he liked it. I'm going to have to read his reviews. Maybe some of his reasons are going to be, you know, yeah, uh, maybe yeah. I'll understand more. But yeah, for me, I was just totally disappointed. Mm-hmm. I, I would agree. give this one, uh, one, one headless corpse. Yeah, maybe you know, I'll because we haven't gotten given anything. No headless. Yeah, corpse. I wouldn't go. No, well, I'd say one, maybe one point five. I'm not really <laughs> sure why. I yeah, really I don't, don't like know it. either, Bill, because I didn't I'll like go, it at yeah, all. One, it's just a terrible. It's honestly yeah. a terrible. Yep, so, I didn't like anything about no. it. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to push you into it. If you no, want to no, one and a half, no, that's fine. No, no it's not. I'm just trying to think, but really, it's nothing. Didn't like the movie. That yeah. sucks. Um, uh, we didn't do a show uh, Thursday, so we're here live uh, Saturday. But there's also a podcast on the website, so it's uh, I had um, it's a bunch of interviews I did last week. Uh, Bill Duke from oh, the from Predator. It's awesome. Very cool. Them on Michelle Ino Tuano. I'm sorry for mispronouncing your name. Uh, I remember I, I wrote it down how to say it, uh, but anyway, 
uh, writer and director of Live Scream, really cool independent movie on the film festivals right now. Oh, and good. Christopher Wells, director of The Luring, which uh, hasn't hit the festivals yet. So, oh, okay, cool. well, that's awesome. I, I look forward to listening to those. See, yeah. so when we can't do the Thursday shows, we still take care of you guys. Exactly. We'll so still- I think. I think this week we might not be on Thursday again because no, we won't, Neil. Yeah, right. But we'll probably do a show Friday. Okay. Yep. Absolutely. Because it's uh, the fiftieth anniversary of Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, that's gonna be awesome. So that should be a good time. Yeah, and it looks so clear, Neil. Have you seen like the the trailer for it? No, I have never seen the movie so like crystal clear. Oh, awesome. So I haven't I, seen it for a while. Me either. And I think the last time I saw it was this grainy, awful version. Probably. Yeah. And the, um, you know, I told the story a million times about seeing it at the, at the drive-in. Mm-hmm. So, uh, this will be cool, you know, uh, 40 years later, probably 30, like seven years later for me to see it on the big screen. Oh yeah. Yep. And the same thing for me, Neil. The last time I saw it on the big screen was at the drive-in. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. Yep. So I'm so looking forward to that. Yeah. So that's Fathom Events. Fathom Events, man. Like, I hope they stick around for years and years and years because mm-hmm. um, they just do some of, like, the, the coolest stuff, you know, with the um, uh, the National Theater Live stuff. And they've been putting on the, the Studio Ghibli stuff where they – you know, they reshow all those great animated films and like um, uh, what they're doing now with like, you know, uh, doing the horror flicks for Halloween. It's just it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's always cool to check out because there's all kinds of neat stuff going on. Mm-hmm. And that I love watching movies, you know, anyway, anyway, on this on the computer, on the TV. But there really is nothing like watching the movie on the big screen when you get the shot. Oh, totally agree. You know, there's just, yeah, you just get that jacked up feeling. It's just so much fun. Even when you see a movie that's like, meh, at least like, you know, seeing it on the big screen just makes it special. Yeah, I agree 100%. All right, well, I had a good time here. We'll be back next week. Um, I think we might have a few guests on the show. We're going to have, we'll just check out the website. I have a lot of people lined up. We'll try to get as many as we can on this week. If not, there'll be some in November. But I know for sure we will have actually um, Al Haven from the uh, from uh, Night of the Creeps. Oh, sweet! Gonna be really cool. And we're gonna have the Tomb of Nick Cage, the band who does our theme song. Oh, that's great! I've never talked with them. Have you? No, I, I've you know talked with them a lot on on like Facebook and mm-hmm. emails, but I've never uh, heard them. Well, I've heard their music, but I've never yeah. uh, talked to them. Oh, sweet! Oh, so that'll be a good time for all of us. Yeah, yeah, very good. Because I definitely dig their music. I, I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. And I'd possibly Darren Ewing if if I can get it uh, done before uh, because there's a lot going on for Halloween and stuff. But uh, Darren mm-hmm. Ewing Control Two. Will either be on this week or sometime in November, but he will be on soon. Oh, sweet! All right, so definitely um, check out the site and check out the Facebook page, and you'll find out what's going on with us. Mm-hmm. 
because we'll be jumping around a little bit because like like Neil said like the next few weeks are going to be kind of busy we're bebopping around a place to place and because uh, I don't I, I don't think Halloween week you will be in Buffalo right yeah I'll be in Buffalo so we won't do a show that week and we'll find you we'll figure it out we'll do some, yeah well I don't know because uh because I'll be I'll do a 12 hour marathon that Saturday oh, I'm going to be really beat. And then Wednesday, I'm going to horror. What's it called? Horrorween marathon. Uh, Matt Fisher puts on guests on the show. Nice. And so yeah, probably will there be no show that week. I don't think. Okay. Just physically, won't have time. Yep. Unless I'm just like I'll be pretty dead. I think. Because <laughs> then we'll I do. Oh yeah, but we will do the show like um, next Friday. So yeah. Yeah. Listen in for that. Mm. Call in, and if you think that Halloween was the best movie that you've seen, this new one, yeah, you can yell at let us. us know. Yeah, tell us why. Give mm-hmm. us some reasons. And we'll sure, Robbie, sure, Robbie Scar will love it. He will. There is no doubt in my mind that he will love it. Uh-huh. Even, well, no, he won't go see it. You know him. No, he'll just say he loves it. Yeah. Uh, I don't he'll know if you've ever it, seen it. He either hates stuff he's never seen or loves stuff he's never seen. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, and also Brandon Scott. That would probably be on this week um, from season four of Channel Zero, The Dream oh, Door. Sweet. Uh, it's very cool. Sci-Fi asked us to do an uh, interview for uh, the new Channel Zero. God, yeah, I love I me some Channel week. Zero, too. Yeah, cool. So he's the, the lead in the, in the new season. So pretty sweet. Oh, sweet. All right, good. I can't wait for that then. Yeah. Um, not really much else to report from this week, boss. Uh, trying to think. Besides Halloween, I don't think. You know, besides just the old standby movies watching, you know, for uh, for October. Mm-hmm. Nothing new has really crossed my path. I've been digging um, uh, Hill House on Netflix. Yeah, I'm people. Only three episodes people, in. People are really loving. It. I have to give it another shot. I watched the first episode. I wasn't really into it, so I didn't watch. There, I mean, everyone, people that I that I respect their opinion really like. So I, I should give it another shot and pay attention. I'm not usually a big uh, haunted house guy. Yeah, that's not maybe, usually not your my thing. Uh, deal. But yeah, I'm gonna yeah. I have to check it out. People are really digging it. Yeah, I mean, it's not exact to um, you know, to the old book, but it's mm-hmm. uh, I, I like their take on it. At least you know, like I said, three episodes in, I I dig it. Yeah, I'd be farther along, but uh. Yesterday, Daredevil season three started, so I'm now four episodes into Daredevil season three. Mm. It's interesting because uh, they just canceled um, Iron Fist, which yeah. some people expected. Because uh, I, even though I, I, I think it's good, yeah, I, think, uh, I really like it too. people. So it wasn't necessarily shocked by that. Yeah, but then uh, they canceled uh, Luke Cage. I was very surprised. Yeah, because you. I, I don't think I've ever heard, bless you, uh, negative feedback about Luke Cage season one or two. Yeah, it seems like that was very popular. And they're, they're saying there's rumors that Jessica Jones will be uh, canceled next. Huh. Yeah. And they're, they already said there wouldn't be a season two of Defenders. But a lot of people are, are thinking the reason is because Marvel's starting their own streaming channel. Oh, okay. And so they don't want, like, their sh- even if, I don't know if their shows will go there or not, or they just don't want their other shows, like, on Netflix or anyplace else. Well, hopefully, strange. though, if they do that, 
well, or make it part of Hulu or whatever they're planning, that, uh, you know, they'll resurrect these shows because, like, I, I just have been loving them so much. Uh-huh. Yeah, the, they said that on the um, on the Marvel streaming site, they're going to do a Loki show and a Scarlet Witch show. A live action? Yeah. Oh, nice. Oh, that sounds tremendous, then. Yeah. But yeah, it's not going to be Hiddleston, is it, as Loki? I don't know. I I would actually th- think it would be. Oh, but that would be, be so awesome. Be so, yeah. I know, yeah, but, but that would be so cool. Yeah, but I think people would be pissed if it wasn't him. Yeah, that's true, too. Yeah, it'd be tough to get used to, like, a new Loki. Mm-hmm. That's the one movie that I, I do have, but I haven't watched yet, is um, Only Lovers Left Alive. And I haven't... I haven't uh, watched it yet yeah which is a hiddleston flick where he plays a vampire and i've i've always wanted to see it but i i finally got a chance i have the dvd so i will give that one a shot yeah yeah it looks really cool yeah so if if you're a filmmaker or even just there uh in the buffalo uh, dreams film festival coming up uh you know introduce yourself love to interview you and it's very cool. They've made uh, Without Your Head an official sponsor of the event. So uh, oh, awesome. hopefully you get a bunch of interviews. Yeah. Oh, that'll be a great time then. Mm-hmm. I expect you and Jason to come back with great tales and tales of good food and a beef on a whack or beef on whack. Mm-hmm. I called it a beef on a whack to, uh, to our principal who's from Buffalo. And he quickly corrected me that it's, it's not on you. a whack. It's just on whack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like Which a, he said uh, it's the precursor of the pretzel bun. Really? He said that was you know long before he had a pretzel bun anywhere. The whack is almost like a combination pretzel and um, and rye. Yeah, it's like a the whole. They're like the real name is like pumperwickle or something. Yeah, yeah. It's something whack. Whack's at the end of the the sandwich. Yeah, uh, pumperwick. Something it's like Pumperwick. It could be. Very weird. So I'm looking forward to checking that out. And then Buffalo Wings and anybody out there has uh, recommendations. Oh, yeah. Definitely check them out. Well, that's that's awesome. That'll be a great time. Yeah. So anyway, that was, uh, you know, cool having your three guest interview. Yeah, they were they uh, they themselves enjoyed a, an adult beverage throughout the show. <laughs> very nice. And I was well, apologized. Don't apologize. It was a very entertaining show. Yep. Very good. Had a great time, and I think uh, everyone w- everyone would have enjoyed and listened to it. Oh yeah. And they asked about you, Troy. Great All guys. right, very good. I'm I'm honored. Um, like, where's your brother at? Tell me he was getting he was getting tipsy himself. Yeah, my brother the drunk. Said, uh, like Jason. Yep, on the straight edge one of the group. I know you got to keep us in line. That's what you got to do with Jason. You got to make sure he walks a straight and narrow path. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think, I, I think he. Uh, I think he's like been straight edge. And see, he'd stopped drinking before London, and then he started drinking when we're in London. <laughs> now I feel bad. Like, he just starts drinking. 
Well, like the yeah. enabler or something. I know, exactly. You're like, yeah. That's a good nickname. The enabler. Nail the enabler, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I could so be the nasty. corrupter and you could be the enabler. I like it. I like yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I had a good time. We'll be back sometime next week, probably Friday for the live show. Uh, well, who knows we'll be on? Maybe a whole bunch of people. Maybe like 20 guests. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> yeah. two. We'll have never a 40 know. guest night. You never know. <laughs> so until next week, this is Nasty Neil. This is Terrible Troy. And this is without your head. Chainsaw.